Troops and welcome to another episode of my XL podcast. I hope you're all safe, home and well and looking after each other. This episode was recorded last year while on tour in Australia. Myself and Neil Skinner, aka MC Cyclone, sat down very jet lagged one afternoon and just had a talk about what he's been up to in his journey through music. Hope you enjoy it and I hope to see you all at the next 1994 rave. Welcome to another episode of my XL podcast. Um, this episode's guest is Mr. Neil Skinner, aka MC Cyclone. Hello. We're currently in a hotel in Perth, Australia. Slightly jet lagged. I say slightly. We're a bit fucking. We don't know what fucking time it is. <laughs> It's ha- half eleven in the morning here, which is what time back in. It's fucking three weeks ago back home, isn't it? That's what it feels like. Aye, it does. Don't know if I want a beer or an our coffee. I can't even log into my phone. That's aye. There we go. <laughs> so it's late. It's late and early. Aye, we're, we're, we're fucked, guys. So bear with us. <laughs> Neil, how are you? And what are you up to? I'm good, mate. I'm really good, thanks. Aye. Um, what am I up to? <laughs> no, no an awful lot at the moment try to, try to work out whether I'm actually awake or whether I need to go back to my bed Oh there's Jamesy on the phone He's who slept all day Aye Right we're back, we thought we'd lost James but he's still alive And he's in a coffee shop looking for us Which we are not there How are you Neil? I'm good mate, Jamesy will be with us Fucking the next interruption will be the door getting chapped <laughs> Absolutely um, We better get a clay zone Exactly <laughs> <laughs> Take that headgear off. <laughs> Aye, I'm good. A wee bit out of sorts today. Um, long flight, different time zones, the usual. You know, we've we've been there before, and it's it just takes a wee bit of time to bed in. You know, um, and it's no different today. I've got the fear for no reason. Aye. you know, you know how it is. Most of you know how that is. Twenty-four hours travelling kind of does that, do you? Aye, it does. Aye. Um, but other than that, mate, good. Really, really glad to be here. Really glad to be doing the next couple of weeks. Um, what is it? We, we use our, a week in <coughs> Australia, then use our off to Japan. Aye, we've got a, we've got a week. Aye, a week here and a week in, in Tokyo, um, and then home. So aye, it'll be uh, it'll be good. It's been a, it's been a few years since we've been out here. So obviously things have changed a wee bit joints are creaking a wee bit more than they did last time I was out but um, when you say joints you mean legs and stuff that's like exactly what right I mean aye, aye. Uh, so aye, aye that's that's where we're at so with this wee podcast I've just been like kind of talking to people about their journeys through music and like we, yes, <laughs> there. And like we spoke about earlier you know it's kind of like starting at the start so like was there a sort of age or a sort of certain track or tracks that you were first aware of, you became aware of music, you know, it meant something rather than just stuff in the background or stuff that was getting played in your house? Was there any specific tracks that spoke to you? I think, I think growing up, 
music was in the house all the time, you know, and, and you know, quite, quite good music. You know, my dad was was a really big fan of country, so there was a lot of country. There was a lot of Johnny Cash and stuff like that going on in the house, and um, and then some real. As, as, as he used to say, redneck shit kicking music, which was my dog's deeds, you know, everything shit, let's go uh-huh. and, you know, cause some carnage. Um, Your dad's American. Oh, that's he, right. He was, I, he was American. So he was proper pedigree country, you know, he came from that part of the world that was, it was proper redneck music. Did they have you have know? the full twang and stuff like oh, that? Oh, aye, uh-huh. aye. He was proper southern draw, you know. Aye. Uh, aye, aye. And, and I think Cash was one of his heroes because he was, he was like a kind of, uh, of that era he was the punk he was the loose uh-huh. cannon you know I believe he, he walked the line he did walk the line <laughs> for a wee long time um, so, so there was that and my dad's side and my mum was for Paisley um, but, but, but kind of lived and breathed Motown that was her thing mm. you know so there was a weird kind of you know one day you'd be your dog would be dead and everything would be wrong and then the other day you've got all sorts of good stuff going on you know so it is a bit of sound clash in it Motown and country totally so where do you go from there you know Um, but I think for me you get, I, I, I didn't know any different you get used to that Mm -hmm. kind of thing going on if I was with my dad it would be you know it would be that kind of inward looking country vibe kind of thing going on with a wee bit of an edge and alas my girl uh, I sold uh, my car uh, down by the water <laughs> then I shot my doll <laughs> <laughs> so it's all that kind of gear um, somebody said to me if you play a did you hear that one if you, what happens if you play a country and western record backwards no you get your wife your job and your <laughs> back your, you get everything back <laughs> your wife your dog your dog what else your job your cheating man aye. Oh, you're sorry, you're cheating woman hi <laughs> um, so that that was that was my dad's side my mum's side was it was kind of Martha and the Vandellas and uh, you know the kind of solely real Motowny stuff you know the kind of full tops Otis Redding Wilson Pickett so uh, th- that it was a weird kind of hybrid for me you know it was that kind of the country stuff was, was as we've said it was you know all jokes aside it was kind of inwardly facing morose and my mum's was kind of polar opposite mm-hmm. for most of it anyway uplifting forget you can just enjoy yourself aye, it doesn't matter we've all got shit going on uh-huh. just go out and large it you know and uh, the country stuff tend to focus a wee bit more on all the, all the bad gear you know so that that that's kind of what I grew up with and and as a result I, I music was, was has always been a massive part of my life always um, I think from my point of view when I first started getting into music on my own you know I got my first wee turntable up the stairs in my bedroom and you know I had pocket money to buy my own stuff and all that I think we've all we've all been through the you know would you spend your first 99p on what was yours <laughs> first record there were two it was uh, Shaking Stevens Green Door I, 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 I can't even I don't know if we should cut that because that's got no cred at all but that was you remember that was looking at dancing all that used to date that gear oh, like, aye, we used aye. to call it the fitzy I don't know what <laughs> but it was basically like a lot of dropping down onto your onto the floor and kicking your feet and everything in a circle at school discos <laughs> I don't know if that was just a Stevenson thing <laughs> that might have been uh, we didn't dance at the school discos we just fucking lurked in the corner I, I know what, once we done heavy lurking 
just looking at the birds then it was the guys we got for shaky or something or nearly the elephant was another one <laughs> we could just jump about Aye, jump about just dance. fucking kidding on you're a punk so uh, shaky Stevens is the first one and uh, was a, you got two madness madness uh, baggy trousers baggy trousers um, th- those were the first two that I remember buying what age with my own money I have no idea what age I was must have been like early I've got to say early teens or maybe even 11, 12 at that So age. I reckon 81, 82, 72, so 10, 10 year mm-hmm. old, maybe something like that. Um, and that was quite, even although looking back on it now, shaky, bless him, the Welsh Elvis doesn't really, st- <laughs> <laughs> doesn't really stand up, but you know, madness, there's still, you know, there's still a time when I put madness on, yeah. you know. Um, but it was quite liberating to have your own money and spend it in your own tunes as, as questionable as they were, you uh-huh. know. And then that was it. I was completely sucked in and I felt that I'd had a decent grounding from, from what my mum and dad had given are, me. You are know? you also kind of cherry picking and nicking the best of your mum and dad's collection? Is that sneaking into your no. collection or did you just bulge your own for like these 99 pence I think, records? I think once I'd worked, you know, once you got over the fact that your mum and dad aren't cool, you know, and you think you know everything, uh, and yeah. you go back to it. What you did think, they know? Exactly. What did they know? Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison. Um, when you go back to that and you think, that's actually really uh, good. I need to tell my dad that that's really good as opposed to saying he's he's old and Disney, you know. So so over time, I, would, I, I went back to that. At that point, I didn't. Um, and I remember my granny getting me chart hits 82 for Christmas one year <laughs> and it was plenty of classics Joe Dolce shut up your face <laughs> <laughs> timeless, uh, timeless. Oh, absolutely the birthday song but also on there was Gary Newman mm-hmm. uh, and Kim Wilde and the, the, the kind of birth of the electronic thing, kind of electro pop vibe in there and, and that it was something that, I, oh, you know, I don't think anybody had heard it before, and that kind of really grabbed me, you know, I was like, oh, that's a wee bit special. Were they kind of favourites on the albums kind of thing, was that? Oh, aye. Oh, without a doubt, th- those are the two tracks that, that, that stand out for me. Was I think it was uh, it was either Cars or, or We Are Electric, I'm, or, I'm not sure which, um, and Kim, uh, Kim Wild Kids in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there might have been a Human League thing on there, but... I wasn't quite as into that until a bit later. Roger Sa- Sanchez sampled Kids in America, the big string section at the end. Of it. I can't remember what track it was, but it was one of the ones I heard it and I was like, I've heard that somewhere before and it's a rip. Really? There's a big chord progression at the end of Kids in America. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it. You know, it's just a lift. I don't even think it gets credited. So if you're listening, Kim, give me Roger. Aye. <laughs> huge, all that stuff was huge, and Even still, aye. like, you yeah, I, I kind of listen back to all that 80s pop, synth pop stuff. I don't know. F- more fond, uh, fonder memories of it now than I did then. No, you know, it, 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 although it was, like, new and fresh, I don't know. I, I, maybe it was me. I was kind of aware that it was still pop. I don't know if I was I was still maybe too young. I don't know if you were but no like it wasn't the underground but I fuck knows what I'm trying to say. It was it was big, it was huge. But you're always looking for your I don't know if it was like the what it wasn't mine. And, and I mean that I as in you know like when you get your when you find that group or whatever and it's yours. Oh aye. I know what you mean. 
and, and for, for me at that age I, I hadn't really thought that far uh-huh. into it I just thought I really like this right. you know that the, the stage of finding your band for me came a wee bit later um, and, it, and it came in the form of the Smiths mm-hmm. you know that that was a hands down an absolute life changer uh-huh. for me um, and I, I remember it was the same scenario I'd, I had a couple of quid there was a, a double air market indoor market in there and I had the gatefold of Hatful of Hollow um, that was that was that a compilation album Hatful of Hollow or was that, was that no, an album no I think that was a, it was just maybe the second or third album right. um, and that was everything about it the kind of the con- not, not country but the kind of morbid the morosity of, uh-huh. of Morris's vocals and just the sheer genius of, of, of Johnny Marr and the rest mm-hmm. of the band it was just that was it I latched onto that and I was off I was off down that wee uh-huh. you know rabbit Sur- hole surprise you I was a huge Smiths fan and I'm surprised that you cite them as a big a big thing musically huge. did you get the humour in the Smiths because that was overlooked I think oh aye I, I, I think initially no I, I, you know there, there was that kind of fucking hell this guy is dark you know mm. he's really, but then as you get older like, I think you get the humor, he's, don't you? surely he's no serious uh-huh. you know? and then you realise that he's not and and it takes on a different a different tone you know so that kind of sent me off down the indie path and 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 most of my formative years were in that area um, was you into other things like slow dive and ride and all this kind of stuff I really well? loved ride uh, rides nowhere uh, first Stone Roses album again were massive albums for me um, so along with the Smiths the Pixies were, were probably my other and, and even to this day a kind of go to band for me the Pixies Pixies, Pixies were for me, I hadn't heard anything like it, mm-hmm. I, I, and, and I'm not sure I've heard anything like it since, really. Not, not in the so many fucking bands, didn't they? Phenomenal. Um, so I was a huge, huge Pixies fan, and then there was other stuff like when you're when you're in that kind of indie rabbit hole, you're a bit more receptive to anything that's coming out on the four AD label, or you know. Um, anything like that it's rough trade and all that rough trade and then yeah. and then you get stuff from over the water you know you've got Dinosaur Junior and Jay Mascus and, and that was really big for me uh, Sonic Youth it's just kind of like nice. teenage high school kind of music Aye, but, but, then, but then I would have been it would have been sort of early secondary school and it became more about what's my band Where's, what, mm-hmm. what, you know and you're taking it to all your mates and saying, I've got, I found this new band and fuck, you've got to hear this. And you know, you get pissed off and people on the internet, they say, mate, can they're all doing the same? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, I've got these guys. And you're like, mm, I'm not, not so sure about that, no. you know? Um, so I, there was a lot of that. And then even, you know, even from a Scottish point of view, Lloyd Cole and the Commotions was the first gig I ever went to. Uh, and I think Hugh and Cry had supported them, or I, I can't remember. Um, so the, I was quite open and I think because of the kind of background I'd had I, I was open mm-hmm. you know um, and then I dan- dance music for me was, was was much later when you're listening to this kind of music was there any kind of you know at that age skateboarding BMX and anything like that kicking about because I skateboarding that was kinda, we're kind of like the same age and other people I've spoke to that seems to be threading through they kind of, and I'm and I'm I'm asking this because it kind of opens things up for later, you know. Yeah. 
that was you ever was you ever into all that kind of I, stuff? I skateboarding was was quite a big thing. I, I, in, in fairness, I wasn't that good at it, mm-hmm. but I don't think actually anybody, particularly for Scotland, was. But we all thought we were like fucking Tony Hawks. Not that way, but you know, you're not skateboarding. But you couldn't actually ride. A, we never had a bowler in Lance teams, and there was a quarter pipe and Conan that we go to. Yeah. If we never get beat up, we'd really just skate up and fall down it. Yeah. But we were into skateboarding. It Aye. was me like kind of gone down hills and trying not to fall off. I <laughs> try to do an ollie. I try to do an ollie. I remember. And again, I remember all that kick flips and <laughs> can grind and falling in your ass. And I tried to grind off my neighbour's wall. I just remember him coming out and giving me a doing. I thought <laughs> the grinding thing. Better give that a buy. And I was also scared to to, to damage the artwork on the board underneath the board. Aye, aye. But then it was also cool to have a board that was wrecked. But there was that kind of transition. Do you fuck your board? That's I trying to remember board what deck I had now. But I, I know what you mean, and it, and it all it became about the rails. You get good enough rails, you don't scratch the surface of the board. Uh-huh. But then you know you want a bit of D-Lam on there. You aye, want, aye. You know, I must get shabby chic. Exactly. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> downside. <laughs> <laughs> he must be awesome, man. He's bought me his balls wrecked. You know, <laughs> exactly. Just shabby chic, to it, mate. Aye, just watch how awesome I am. Um, but aye, I think that that was a whole. That was the kind of it, it kind of went hand in hand with the indie thing for me. And it was a week in a subculture. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that poppy thing but then I was still quite susceptible with the poppy stuff I was a massive fan of NXS huge mm-hmm. fan of NXS um, and, and they had the major label back and they had the money when you went to see NXS live it was a show you know when you went to see it's a band I've never seen live I wish I had but aye they were mega aye they were really good man really good but they were a manufactured band were they they were try to be like a Australian am I right in saying like an Australian Dolls or Rolling Stones or something is that a myth or is that no I, I don't I don't think it was like a kind of monkeys style mm. manufacturing I think I know it's blatant as a monkey thing no. but I think they were put together to were they a pub band or something fuck no I can't remember I, I, I remember reading I something about know. it the background but you know for me it, I think it was an excess kick was a was a real big Aye, crossover big album, album. Um, and skateboarding on the cover as that works and, well and they skateboarded on stage so they were they were obviously catering uh-huh. from a business point of view to, for, to all angles you know to the youth to the youth and I sucked it right up I was like he's a skateboarder I'm going to see him <laughs> they're um, just like me they're not even <laughs> rock stars but they're just like me <laughs> so that was again, again that was the kind of eclectic of my kind of music thing was that I could I could go and watch them but I'd be listening at the Pixies on the way up Stone Roses on the way back and and it was cool there was there was Aye. space for everything you know there wasn't any sort of oh you can't listen to that because you listen to that the, there was a wee bit of that you know and, and, and you'll know that's yourself from the indie scene you know it's like um, what are you listening to that for? mm-hmm and, and, and at that point when, when you're quite sold young aye, when you're quite young you, you're, you're not really as bold to say because I like it are you I mean, hiding the shaky records when your mates are up in the room <laughs> absolutely <laughs> I've not even got the sleeve that's my sister's have you, have you read the lyrics to this old house <laughs> fuck do you know exactly <laughs> brilliant I think what shaky really meant by this old house <laughs> he was he was talking about himself as a man aye so, when, so does, when does when does dance music start creeping into your life, and how does that come about? Dance music start, and I, and I, I can remember it quite clearly. Uh, my sister and I 
kind of shared the, the top floor of our house, mum and dad's house. Um, and, and I would be in my room on my guitar playing along to Wish You Were Here mm-hmm. um, and loving it. You kind know, of whole hippie vibe and, you know. Acoustic or electric? Electric at that point. Um, and so that at that point, it was Floyd, Hendrix, all the kind of cooler 60s stuff that I'd, I'd kind of missed out, you mm-hmm. know. Right, you, get, um, you get a cherry pick then, didn't uh, you? Absolutely. Uh, Zeppelin. Um, doors? The doors were massive for me. Um, and, I, and I worked, you know, I'm like a chef to trade and part of the thing that kept the kitchen going was music and we were all in the same boat. So it, it was always something like that. The head chef was... He was a deadhead, he was Flying Burrito Brothers, Grateful Dead, real proper hippie stuff, you know, and that opened my eyes to that scene that I'd never really touched mm-hmm. on, you know. Um, so anyway, I, I, I was in my room trying to be fucking Dave Gilmore and failing miserably. <laughs> I thought I was gallus, but through the, through the, you know, small wall that separated my room from my sister's room, there was the, you know, repetitive beats and it, it used to wind me up and, and I almost took pleasure in saying that's pure shite you know turn that off uh-huh. um, I'm kind of visualising all the Run DMC Aerosmith video between you <laughs> and your sister <laughs> <laughs> she was definitely on the Run DMC side I was twirling around the mic stand and, uh, more on that later um, but I, it was, I mean, figuratively it wasn't that far away from that mm-hmm. you know but, but I remember like slating my sister for, for being into this kind of stuff and because it wasn't any no real music, music you know they weren't playing anything and but as soon as she'd go out I'd be through there listening to what she was listening to you know and it, the, the first was your sister older or younger? was my younger sister right. which is even you know it's even more what kind of stuff was it she was listening to? she was listening to it would have been XL recording stuff, so mm-hmm. Prodigy, really early Prodigy stuff, and that was the track. It was the weather experience, but the Prodigy, and I, and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And and I, it was almost like a kind of how do I, how do I deal with this? Because I fucking love this. I a fork love in this shit. Oh, without a doubt. But, but how is how is it working, man? You know. Um, have you never it, been to nightclubs or anything like that? But are you just hearing the music first? The, the pavilion later Hangar 13 uh, was was a big rock disco back in the day and that when I first went clubbing when I went out of clubs that's where we went mm-hmm. and, it, and it was it was just like a big disco big fucking rockers disco you'd have fucking you know I don't know all the stuff we've spoken about you get up and stare at the floor for four or five minutes go back and back and tan your Newcastle brown right. ale you know as soon as you put like Deaton Blue on that you were off oh I none of that none of that until that fucking a half decent song came Aye, on and then you're back on you know giving a large for your paisley pattern shirts and your docks on you know waistcoat was a waistcoat option? no 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 there's no waistcoat I couldn't go that far <laughs> but so that that was that and then that whole rock thing moved somewhere else in the town and um I think it was, just, I don't know if it was the Street Rave guys that had taken over the pavilion. I think, aye, like they did, aye. Um, and they did a night, I'm sure it was called Rock, and my sister had been to it. She's like, I need to come along to this, and I was like, ah, I don't know. Because um, I'd only just sort of said to her, this is actually quite cool, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so anyway, she... That's a big jump, man. Just, aye, it was a huge aye, jump. Especially because she's younger as well. Aye. 
and, and I'm sort of, she's like, ah, look, we're getting in this weekend, come with us. And a couple of the boys had been in and already, and, you know, they'd availed themselves of, you know, the enjoyments of a night that weren't Newcastle Brown Ale. So in I went with my docks and a purple t-shirt, which was the closest to clubbing gear that I had. Uh, and I think that that was quite a pivotal. I'd never seen people dancing. They weren't in groups mm-hmm. and they were all in lines and they were all facing the same way. And I thought, this is like fucking church. This is like a church vibe, you know? What kind of years is this? What we thought of? 90, 89? I think it would have been 89, 90, 91, mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, and that was it. It was, it was almost... There was so much, it, it was like a, a door had been opened, there was so much to get into on that, that the guitar was put on its stand and the amp was turned off and all the pretty records... Pretty much after was, that first night? Pretty much. All, all those records were still there and I could go back to them and, you know, that was safe. Mm-hmm. That was like, you know, bully, your money's safe, but what about this? Mm-hmm. And that was it. And well, I just, that was like a sponge, man. It just... What do you think the... What, what was it that made you connect to that so quickly? You know, you, you've been listening to the music you like and say like the pavilion, which would want to be the hangar, right? Mm. You went in there and you're, you're boozing, you're with your mates, it's a different vibe. But then what's, what do you do? You think it's made you kind of go, what the fuck is this? And just instantly connect with the dance music and people sort of dancing together, but towards the DJ or whatever. I mean, what, what's... What do you think? I think from that first night, the kind of things that struck me were people were talking to each other and there was no aggro. Mm-hmm. You know, and people, you, you'd go up to the bar, um, but the bar was quite empty. And that, that was quite a, straight, a bit of a strange mm-hmm. one for me. I was like, why is nobody drinking? Um, Did you know there was like chemicals in that? And oh, that? aye, aye. But I didn't realise quite the extent right. of it, you know. Um, so that to me and I remembered like piling into the back of a car and getting a lift up the road and you know going to an, an after party and there was a set of decks there and I thought what's going on over there you know um, but that there was a, there was much more of a and it seems like a bit of a I don't know a cheap shot now but there was a unity that, that, that I'd never experienced mm-hmm. before it was like get out clubbing with your football team your football team's like a thousand strong and, and, and that's how I, genuinely how I felt it was yeah. like I could and it wasn't that I was going out to can talk to loads of random strangers but that interaction wasn't shunned whereas the whole rock disco indie scene was quite introverted oh, and you know I'm too busy looking at my shoes, shoes to talk to you you know so that was a I'm, bit I'm, of an eye opener there's too, there's too much to me to talk to you <laughs> and you know there's layers here I'm, I'm a fucking I'm onion deep, man I'm too deep uh, I'm an onion with hairsprayed hair Hi, I'm an onion with a quiff <laughs> so I that that was quite a I thought this is pretty cool man you know it's a pivotal cool. moment aye definitely what about hip hop was that and about the music at the time hip hop I can't I think it, it, it must have been around about the same time it must have been because I was never I was too rock indie focused to to to, to think about hip hop um, and then that would probably be if you were like full on that you know rock road that would be like maybe the other side of music for you would it aye I think then, so and it was such a you know at that point 
it, it, it was a, it was an area that a genre that I knew nothing about. And you know that way where you just think, where do I start? I wasn't, I didn't not like it. I just from what I'd heard of it, I didn't love it either. You know, and 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 again, it, that would maybe have been, I would say, a couple of years later when mm-hmm. I when I when I got quite heavily into hip hop, and still to this day, quite enjoy yeah. hip hop. You know, um, so did you kind of miss it on the fall? Def Jam, Run DMC, probably anyway. Beastie Boys kind of thing when it's blew up because that fucking took all the world for a while. The Beastie Boys, I did, but the, there was that maybe the guitar, the the crossover, you know, fight for your right to party and uh, no sleep. That that kind of thing to me was as close to hip hop as I'd ever been, mm-hmm. you know, and I enjoyed it. Uh, and I remember stealing the Volkswagen badges off of motors and <laughs> you know all that gear, uh, <laughs> ill communication and and it and that was cool. Um, but I never went any further, you know. I never, I never sort of went off down that rabbit hole till mm-hmm. a little bit later. Um, but then, kind of like I did with the indie scene, when you when you when you take it on and you think, I actually really like this. It's like it is like peeling an onion. Like, where am I going next? Where mm-hmm. And you just let it take you. And, um, and I think Ice Ice T was uh, the first hip hop artist that I spent quite a bit of time with you know I had pretty much all the back catalogue and then from Ice-T it was it, it was NWA and that, that was mm-hmm. I, I never got the East Coast thing the, the public enemy and the um, the guru and the gangster stuff that came a bit later for me and I think it was because the West Coast stuff for me was a wee bit more it was easy, easier to get into mm-hmm. the, the, the East Coast stuff was a bit deeper and and you know Public Enemy stuff was just a wee bit too political mm. for me at that time. Uh, you just like the AST. Yeah, I shot the homeboy, man. I just got to take this pocket. Let me see what it's like. <laughs> power, 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 power. And I, and I thought, that guy's cool as, uh-huh. man. Really, really cool. And then NWA blew up and that was it. That was, I was away. And again, that that went quite easily with dance music. They could kind of coexist. Uh-huh. Um, so there was, you know, a tape deck in my car, but very rarely had anything but either NWA or Ice Cube. Um, and Ice T was the, you know, I'd been I'd been down there, but then, so it was that that was that was the deal. Um, and again, to this day, still, I think hip hop, in the true sense of the words, kind of lost its way a wee bit. I think uh-huh. there's a lot of shite out there now that's mere um, crap than rap now isn't it honestly it's so, a colour my bizarrely on a hip hop tip my kids put me onto some no bad guys like uh, Dave was one of them bizarrely right. the worst hip hop name you ever heard in your life it's just Aye. Dave some of his stuff's amazing lyrically really? as well beats no so, too much but it's quite sparse mm. but lyrically it's fucking amazing really Aye. it's fucking mental but there's no much that I like of modern day hip hop but I mean, I like the I like some of the crime stuff. I think, I think Stormzy's an absolute aye. genius, and and I and you know I've thought I remember again. My sister played quite an important part. I'd, I'd lived down in London for a while, and uh, and I'd said after, I came across this guy on YouTube, Stormzy, and she's like, "Is that, is that you just coming across him?" And I was like, "Aye, she's like, I've been listening to him for years." It's like, all right, aye, fair enough. Uh-huh. Uh, some of that grime stuff I, I actually quite enjoy. Again, it's a rabbit hole of not gone too far down into uh-huh. but um, I I think for me it's closer to the kind of hip hop that I liked 
than some of the stuff coming out this well pretty much all of the stuff coming out of the states at the moment uh, um, so so I we've, we've touched on hip hop indie early dance you want to pick a couple of tracks for that kind of era that are sticking out you know um, we'll play them and then come back take it one I I think I mean how do you narrow it down to two, two, two tracks you know I think for me the weather experience has to be there because that that was the light bulb that, that became I mean what must it, it be dance you know it could be you know you could you know it's, these are maybe like what I would say is like, it'd be like the first on this these selections it'd yeah. be the first maybe records that I'm not talking about shaky, right? <laughs> 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 you know, it could be the pixies, could be the smiths, you know, like something. This is, this is like because we're going to get to the dance thing. This is yeah. this is before the dance. Um, I, I think it, it has to be a Smiths track. It has to be because that that was a big big moment. What Smiths oh, track? Oh, Andy, you pick. I know. There's all different kind of Smiths tracks in there as well. Uh, and it has to be off the Hatful of Hollow album. Because that was the first album you and got? That, that, that was the first one that I'd got. Um, and it, it, it's got to be what difference does it make? It has to be. Ah, I, know, I know that's probably one of their more commercial tracks, but that first guitar hook mm-hmm. was probably the first track I played off the album. Uh, so that, that was that was quite a big one. So I think that, that's definitely got to be in there. Um Baser by the Pixies, another really, really big track for really? me. So, if we're going with two from that era, I think it's probably those two that I'd pick at this stage. Nice one, let's play them and then come back and cool. we'll pick up for the dance stuff. Onwards. Cool. Stop. 
So they sounded great, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. This is a bit we, we pretend we've just listened to them. It's all in the magic of editing, you know. I put these together on a later date. Uh, but um, so I, that, I mean, they are kind of good. Well, I don't know if you class it as indie rock or whatever, but and you spoke about listening to dance music through the war and your sister's collection and stuff mm. then going to the Piv which is the local well it's becoming a nightclub now isn't it in the air mm. was, you, was that then your weekend every weekend you, no not not every weekend um, it was just because I, I, I worked quite a bit and getting out getting your Saturday night off was, was a bit of an issue well being a chef in it that's Aye. eating up Fucking, that's crazy stuff, isn't it? Sure. So there was no, you know, when I say I kind of flew off into that scene, I never really, because I I was so vested in the other scene. It was it was you know it was challenging that and work meant meant it was quite difficult. But mm-hmm. I think more of my mates had had started going down that path as as a kind of this is brilliant what a night you know so when I could I did um, did you feel like you're always trying to catch up with your mates who just had the bit, time maybe to submerse themselves in aye. this fucking scene that's blown up kind of thing a wee bit and, and you know working in the kitchen with the rest of the boys <laughs> there's not a chance that you were getting dance music on in there you know uh-huh. uh, and it was fine I was okay with that so did you try and sneak in and you were getting shunned bit, aside aye, aye I remember I remember putting uh, some of the experience Prodigy's Experience album on and it never got very far and that for me that was the the closest hybrid between mm. the two, you know. I've got to like this. How, how could you not know listen to that? And and that, you know, from my point of view, that was my my first experience of breakbeat, which which went on and has stayed with me ever since, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought breakbeat drums, you know, we might I might get the boys along with this now. Nah, they were having done it, so it, it became that when I was at work, it was it was the music that I'd I'd spent most of my formative years listening to when I was out with my mates it was like the rabbit hole this was stuff you know Sasha Shelley's was one of the first things and and, and it was at that point where everybody was driving down air, air shore mm-hmm. over an evening and it was just it was cool man it was just every car <laughs> and you know and the show oh, front. brilliant and, and so that in itself um, left field not forgotten I remember I actually remember chasing down here shore a guy who was playing left field not forgotten and, and I'm sure it was a maybe even a Whitney Houston a cappella sitting in the top of it but that was when you had to have it to have it you know you couldn't go and look for it anywhere mm-hmm. and I remember trying to chase this boy down to find out what he drove by in the car with that plane fuck's sake you know you can't it's just that unmistakable baseline from not forgotten you know and I was like mate what is that what is that what is that and off he went I never found out but I found out obviously uh-huh. as I got a bit further into it um, so I and that I mean I had a really good mate who was well ahead of his time he'd been to Street Raves uh, party at the Ice Rink in Air in 89 maybe mm-hmm. um, and he'd started to build up his vinyl collection and he had a, an all-in-one Citronic you know portable DJ decks and a mixer and uh, 
buy and that was so I'd get out to his and listen to some of the stuff that that he'd been buying and that was really kind of quite eclectic but what records quite mm-hmm. deep really deep kind of Detroit A um, Little Louie that kind of stuff um, was it like compilation Atkins. albums as well as 12 inches and- no no he was he was quite he was quite a train spotter at that and you know he was buying you know Derek May Juan Atkins um, quite deep Detroit mm-hmm. techno early acid stuff uh, and that it was maybe a wee bit too soon for me because it was deep and I wasn't quite there mm-hmm. yet, you know. Um, but that, you know, as soon as that, you know, he'd got that, one of my other mates had got a set of decks and, you know, when I did get the time to go into the clubs, um, there's always an after party and, you know, there's always a set of decks and mm-hmm. there's always some vinyl kicking about and then, you know, just like listening to indie music and picking up a guitar, you listen to dance music and want a shot of the decks, mm-hmm. you know, that's where it started, you know. Um, so, aye, and it wasn't, it wasn't that long, because I think it was that way, it was almost the same as when you found an indie band, you wanted to listen to this, guys, listen mm-hmm. to this, but it was the same with dance music. I've got this new 12 inch, I've got this, you know, and you'd all, you'd all have a stock of records that would be at the house where the party was. Um, and, and you'd get Sometimes involved. Sometimes you'd go missing. <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> aye, aye, occasionally. Um, so aye, that, that was where it started and it was a case of carrying on the party afterwards and everybody had a turn and, you know, we've all been there, uh-huh. you know. So, uh Aye, that's that's where we went after that. How did the how did the hanger bit come about? When I mean, obviously it's like again for anybody who doesn't know listening, Hanger thirteen is the club in air that took over for the when it was Street Rave or whatever when they done ninety what was it ninety three was opening night or something? I think is, so. Is it a bluff for you? A wee bit. Aye. How, how did that bit. come about and how did you get involved in Hangar 13, had you already had a relationship with Trevor before or how did that come about? Aye. Or what um, was your way into, into all that kind of thing? I think that that was, uh, it's one of those kind of almost right place, right time things. You know, as a continuation of these after parties, um, I'd bought a set of decks, a couple of better, one of my mates had upgraded to 1210s and he was getting rid of his belt drives. Uh, total, I think one was an Akai and one was a Technics with belt driven a wee bit of control on it first um, set of Xbox man isn't first it first set the fucking holy grail absolutely it's funny I was I was clearing out my mum's house recently and came across them been sitting in the garage for years and they were gubbed and it was a bit of a shame because I thought I'd, they're quite nostalgic mm-hmm. you know still had my Vision Streetwear stickers on my decks <laughs> and stuff like that you know um, but so I'd, I'd had the decks and starting to build up a wee bit of a collection um, the indoor market in here uh, Bomber Records and then Up Records and the Sandgate and then 23rd 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 every three minute up to 23rd um, and the girl that I'd been seeing at the time was really friendly with the girl that Trevor had been seeing and she'd said oh we're going to go out for a meal and blah 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 and I'd been to Bobby Jones, uh, so we'd when Trevor was DJing, Trevor was DJing, and you know I, I think if rock 
the the, the Piv night was was my first exposure to dance music. The Bobby Jones was was my first exposure to rave and mm-hmm. in the kind of true sense of the word. Um, and that was Piv me. was more a housey kind of thing. Would you it call was, that? It was, that? was it was housey. It was cool. It was that kind of you know no one lost it everybody was quite measured and it was all the best of gear and, mm-hmm. and we used to call it feeding the chicken dancing you know it's just a bit of shuffling and a bit of a bit of slickness but you went into the bobbies and people were just losing their shit and that really appealed to me mm-hmm. coming from gigs where you'd be fucking crowd surfing and all the rest yeah, of it you yeah. know uh, and I remember I remember clearly the first night in the Bobby Jones uh, and it just Trevor it just as he still does just blew every mind you know um, so it was a couple of weeks after that first time I'd been in the Bobbies um, Kirsty said oh, we're gonna go, I'm going to go out with Jane and she's going out with Trevor and we'll meet up for, for some dinner and just that before it. Bobbies or is this through this is before Bobbies right, right. Uh, no no I, I'd been to Bobbies as a clubber uh-huh. um, but you know, I'd only been two or three times or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, and I'd really enjoyed the night. And so we went out for a meal, and, um, and that was it. We would just go talking with Trevor, and he's like, So, what are you into? And, and at that point, I was quite new to the whole thing, you know, I was like, oh, I'm just into a bit of everything, really, you know. Um, and he's like, I had you DJ, and, and I had like three weeks ago previous, I'd bought my mate Simon's. You know, belt drives off. So technically, you were a DJ. But technically, I was. You know, was clocked up after parties as well. That, well, that was it. I had plenty of pilot time, plenty of flying hours under my belt. Um, and he's like, he said, "Well, I'm, I'm looking for a warm up for the for the bobbies. Would you be interested?" And I was like, "Aye, aye, definitely." I never knew you DJ'd in there as well. Aye, well, that, that was the thing when I when I started. And, and, and there was never a conscious decision to say, this is what I want to do. It was just a kind of natural progression in mm-hmm. the same way that listening to music and picking up a guitar was. It was listening to dance music, I need a set of decks, mm-hmm. I need to be able to do this. Not because it was a choice of, that's what I want to do for a living. It was just, I want to continue this and I want mm-hmm. to be able to see if I can do what those guys do. And that's where it started. Um, so I, Bobby Jones, three weeks into my, my DJing career, never never worked in a sound system, never worked on motor-driven turntables. You're learning on your feet as well, aren't you? I, and I spent a week in my room. And, and you know, if anybody was there on that first night at Bobby's, it, it was, I think the thing about being a DJ is reading the crowd. And, and you know, if they're not dancing, you need to play something that'll make them dance. That was never happening. <laughs> on my you, first set, you had everything planned in your I, head to the break, uh, to the uh, pretty uh-huh. much every part. I'd, I'd, I'd rehearsed it, I'd rehearsed it, I'd rehearsed it, and I thought, if I'm only going to do it once, it needs to sound good, and I need to like what, what I'm playing. Mm-hmm. So I thought about the set, and, and it's probably one of the only times I've ever thought about a set, you know. Um, but I did. I rehearsed it to death. Um, and Kid Unknown I think was my first track which took the uh, Ice-T vocal night, uh, Nightmare mm-hmm. I am a nightmare uh-huh. walking um, and, and I don't know even at that point if the Bobbies were ready for that because I was, I was off and it didn't matter to me I didn't even see the dance floor mm-hmm. that first set I was too twitchy about the rest of it 
and that was it. Um, and and obviously it it must have done something right because Trevor had said right next Saturday, you know, come in, and that was me. But you know, and within a really short space of time, I'd your resident. I was the warm-up guy and, and for Trevor and the Bobbies you know? was it just under Neil Skinner or did you, was you on flyers and stuff like that or was it you just I don't, I don't even it? think I was at that point and again that, that was not it was never I, I had no aspiration to be on a flyer uh-huh. it was never about that it was just a continuation of being a clubber getting to play your music getting on a massive uh-huh. sound system and, and it was a decent sound system and um and it was a good club, the Bobbies. It had a really good following. It had a really good mm-hmm. cult following, and and and, and it was rammed to the raffles as well. Absolutely packed to the gunnels, and and Trevor every week, just on this journey. When you, you know? when you were DJing, were you very much aware that you're built? You know, like that because I think the warm up sets is I've always viewed it as one of the most important of the night it sets the mm. foundations for the rest of the night and it's almost like a fucking forgotten art form I don't think a lot of DJs know, know what a fucking warm up yeah. is and how to do it right it's a skill in itself I w- think so when you're doing it did you, was you aware of that or were you just playing what you were into and Trevor went that's great for starting the night or, or was you kind of aware like I'm, I'm, I'm building things getting and just things bubbling you know because you probably could have played hundreds of mad raves tracks and, and, and ripped the place apart but was you aware that that wasn't what you were there today or aye I think I think that was quite clear and, and, and again Trevor made that quite clear which absolutely you would do you know I, I knew that my job was to just to get things moving mm-hmm. you know and so as much as I'd be buying the same tracks that that, that, uh, that Trevor would be there was no place for them there was no place for them and, and, and even I knew that you know it was that's not my job my job's to get people ready for those mm-hmm. kind of tracks and I loved that and, and because it was a challenge it was it, it's, it's a tricky thing to Aye. get right you know and it's tricky and, and you know Trevor even to this day you know he's like right fucking hold it hold it older and he does this himself on his own sets mm-hmm. and and, and, I, and I, I know his internal dialogue he'd be like no no ready no yet no yet right fuck you mm-hmm. off we go we're yeah. off so so I, I think my job was to try and get them halfway there yeah and you know still building it but holding oh back. aye but, but even that and it was an art form in itself mm-hmm. okay with the tracks that I've got to work with how do I build it so that there was and, and I think this is where things differ a wee bit now back in the day when it was vinyl you knew your music inside out you knew every every bit of it you knew your intros your breaks your outros how much time you had nowadays it's an awful lot easier to do that mm-hmm. you know you don't need to know your music inside out now because you can see the waveform on a screen back mm-hmm. in the day there was none of that no, I, um, I mean back in the day there wasn't even like a 32 bar intro and outro it was just oh. like however the fuck it came across <laughs> wasn't it absolutely you start with a string you're just like what Aye. the fuck I know uh, so that was that was the start of it. Was were those warm up sets and, and and the bobbies and then it's coming on the mic coming at this time. No, it, it did happen in the bobbies. That's where it first started. Um, How did that come about? <laughs> so you're ready. You've been in, done your warm up. Then you're enjoying the rest of the night partying. Aye, aye, pretty much. Um, but there would always be. I'd, I'd go back and I'd spend some time in the DJ booth because I wanted to see how Trevor worked the crowd because mm-hmm. that was something I didn't really need to think about as a warm-up DJ there was no work in the crowd it was just about building things up a wee bit so I was always really interested in how Trevor managed to take it all the way through the roof every week and, and he'd, he'd done it in quite a restrained and a controlled way the mic thing 
and I never ever wanted to be an MC. Never, never crossed mm-hmm. my mind. Um, Hard floor experience was was the track that that inevitably ended up to me being an MC. And wow! I, I would never have put that track in no, MC in the gallery. You wouldn't. And that's the whole point here. So. It, Trevor had been and we'd listened to this track a few times before it had been played in the club and it, and it just you know it, when you think of pivotal dance tracks that experience for me was absolutely a pivotal dance track it took me off down a subgenre in dance that, that I'd rewrote the rule book man I really did it just it just it was I'd never heard anything like it ever in my life um, and I was absolutely immersed in that track for me it was nine minutes that that did its own journey you, you, I was going to say you had no m- m- missed it but you were listening to other stuff you missed the full acid house kind of thing so was this other maybe tasters of your mates who were listening to some of the deeper stuff is this first time you're hearing 303s and all, no, all that kind of stuff no, no, no I don't think so because I, th- I, I remember th- tracks like um, Jolly Roger Acid Man mm. and stuff like that so I touched on it right. but this was the first track I don't know it, it was it was just a bit more switched on it was it was multi-layered there was stuff going on it, 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 it didn't seem like a rave track it seemed like a really well thought out piece of music and it was mm-hmm. I mean not, not and that's not to say that Acid Man wasn't a well thought out track but um this for me was just it was in a different plane literally a different plane and and I think for Trevor as well and 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 we we'd been vibing on that track massively and Trevor dropped it in the middle of his set it wasn't it was towards the end of his set um, and Big Kerzo's on the lights and he knew the deal and there was smoke out and there was strobes on and the crowd never they just didn't quite get it at that point no disrespect to the crowd but it was it was a bit of a paradigm shift musically nah, just a couple of steps ahead for what they were listening to and, and, and they never they never quite got it you know there was people in the podiums the same as there was and stage was rammed the floor was rammed and people were just a wee bit perplexed almost as what what is this and it frustrated me it really did frustrate me and it, it was that kind of way of how could you not love this same as it was back in the day with your mates when you introduced a new band mm-hmm. to them and how can you not love this yeah. you know? how and does this know your favourite record straight away oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember getting quite not angry but just thinking come on guys it's, you know we could do better than this and, and I think I'd said that on the mic I'd basically just lifted the mic out his cradle and said it while Trevor was in his box looking for the next track <laughs> and uh, fuck's sake dance your cunt I think it was just like I don't know come on guys let, let's mm-hmm. get into this you know um, and Trevor Trevor stood up and he's like you know there was that kind of look of what the fuck what are you doing mm-hmm. You just wrapped up in the moment. And that's what's made you do Aye. And and there was no. I, I, I was literally wrapped up. There was no kind of preconception. There was no. I'm taking a hold of that uh-huh. mic. It was just. Come on, guys. This is amazing. How are you no feeling this? Um, Cardinal Sin. You fucking interrupted DJ's set. You know, and I, I, I'm quite new to the game, so uh-huh. I'm, you know. And he first looked all as if to say, "What are you doing?" Oh, I and he, he fucking gave me a dig in the in the stomach, and he's like, "You ever take the mic?" in the middle of my set again he said you fucking say something like you mean it or you shut the fuck up and don't say anything 
So <laughs> part, part of me is thinking, fuck I, right, I've maybe gone a wee bit too far there. And, and uh, you know, and then I thought, well, I do mean it. And that, that, that point was where the MCing started. So did you do any more mic work that night or was it a next weekend? Or I, think, it- I think the, the next bit that night would have been over. Do you talk about your walking, please? Aye. <laughs> <laughs> With the driver of the blue escort. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Happy birthday, Sharon. <laughs> From your dad, you know. Uh, no, I think I think the safe ground for me at that point, because I had no idea. My, my, my entire exposure to MCing was, was probably enjoys live in Manchester mm. uh, and a prodigy set that the BBC had recorded at Norwich Sound City in 92 mm. maybe something like that I don't know they um, were probably firm favourites on your motor they absolutely aye. were aye. so it was safe for me to MC that because I knew what they were doing and, yeah. I, and I thought right maybe that's what's required and and it went from there um, and it became so I'd do the warm up Trevor would do the main set and his kind of warm up to the kind of fever pitch stage and and I'd maybe get involved for a wee bit at the fever pitch stage and 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 just try and take people over the top with us, you know. Mm-hmm. And 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 obviously we did that, you know. I, I don't think there's any doubt that anybody who 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 went to the Bobbies would hopefully agree that that was there were some really really special nights in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Trevor had said, "Look, I'm moving. I'm leaving." And you know I'm I'm going to this new club that we're opening down where the pivots. Um, he's like, do you want to be involved? Do you want to come with us? And 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 I was like, of course, because I would never. Right. Yeah, of course I would, because there's so much to learn off that man. You know, he's he'd been doing it for a while. You wouldn't have been doing what you're doing if it no, wasn't for that break. A- absolutely not. Categorically not. You know. Um, so I off we went and uh, and that. That was just, you know, from cruising at a fairly decent altitude, we were we were up in the stratosphere from day one at Hangar. Um, was that Hangar was every weekend, wasn't it? Every every Saturday, yeah. aye. And it was a big, you know, it was a big hype for that opening and a huge hype. You know, everybody was, hey, where is it? To those who were only in, in the, aye. the know, wait, there's this new club because it was aye. all the flyers were released with a a venue and stuff was it I'm getting mixed up it was uh, all that kind of it's coming and all that kind of I, I think it was a really really good marketing mm-hmm. really good sort of pre-event a club from the future you know and it just created a hype that I, I'd never seen before you know for that type of scene this is what 93 or something like that. I think so aye um, Trevor said that you know talking to Trevor on the podcast he'd seen that I think he was sick I actually physically sick with nerves mm. on the day uh, open or that night. I don't and doubt I, it. I think his dad had to run him to the gig. I saw really? mad like that, aye. Cause his nerves were fucking short. Aye. With uh, the build up and the anticipation. I, I I guess because I'd I'd not been involved in the scene for that long, I wasn't prepared for so I didn't get nervous until I turned the corner at the top of and you seen the Wellington and, and I thought fuck me man I mean I knew I had a, I had a really good suspicion it was going to be busy because TTF were on in the opening night and and it was new and 
and we'd been involved, you know, we'd been in the club and we were sewing up the camel nets and, you know, we were looking at the stage and, and you're thinking, this this could be really special, mm-hmm. you know, but like anything, you don't really know and, and I remember, <laughs> I remember driving in that first night and turning the corner and, and the arse falling out as soon as I turned the corner, I was like, fucking hell, man. this is bigger than what you thought you were getting This is massive. This is the biggest thing. And, you know, bear in mind that this has been, I don't know, three, four months of DJing. And I'm, and I'm doing the warm-up So you're still pretty wet behind the ears as a DJ, isn't it? Unbelievably wet behind the ears. In such a fortunate position, because folk would have chopped their left leg aye, off to, I, get a, absolutely. to get a piece of that. Aye, and, and I think I knew that and I was aware of that. And, and that is one of the things that's that's kind of driven me all the way through this is that you know I'm and I've never ever thought of myself as anything other than a punter the same as everybody else never it's never crossed my mind to be anything mm-hmm. other than that you know and so I know it might sound a bit wanky but there is that whole kind of professionalism and you know I'm going to do this right and I'm going to I can do what's required you know do it um, for you guys I, I, I know it does sound really cheesy it does it does sound cheesy but but that that's that's been the way I've kind of gone about it you know it's um, kept you sort of grounded absolutely I, I, I think that there is no other way well I think Scottish mentality wise I think there only is two ways you're either grounded or you're away in fucking Planet Cuckoo Moon, land. man. Aye. aye. There isn't like an in between. I don't think you can be like fucking grounded and sell yourself or fucking follow yourself and grounded. You know, it's, know. It's, it's like a switch almost. You're just that type of guy, you know? Yeah. I know what you mean. And and for me, it, it, it was it's always been an extension of being on the dance floor mm-hmm. and it's never been anything other than that so you know? at the hangar was you where your pal was in that you did a warm up and then are you very much in about raving on the floor or just enjoying the party from backstage or what, how are you there was a bit of both it depended you know I think I think because I was still in that kind of learning phase I, I wanted to see how the other boys did it I uh-huh. wanted to see how Davey did it because um, he had a completely different approach that um, first time you met David Forbes and he became the resident as well it was in the hangar and we, I think we'd we'd all met each other up at Trevor's a couple of weeks before it um, uh, but I knew Davey had been doing some stuff through in Glasgow um, and I knew he had a good rep and, and I was really excited to see what he was getting involved in mm-hmm. um, and then you know Trevor was there and I, you know having worked with him in the past and and subsequently a hangar the MC and thing became kind of permanent on night one it was do the warm up have a have a break come back on an MC for me and so so I was said, working all the way kind through. of talked about it and sort of made a, hatched a plan type thing how you would build the night sort of thing aye, aye, as a absolutely, team absolutely aye. Um, when you were MCing were you MCing for the DJ box or can you remember at a time when you've went and took onto the stage I think because that's quite a big it is a big I, I remember mine and it whether you plan it or you don't you cannot it's fuck's sake you know yeah. was there a time when you've done that walked out to the front oh aye I, th- I think Hangar was because Hangar was so big the bo- the, you couldn't do it in the Bobbies because there was nowhere to go mm-hmm. the Bobbies was in that wee booth you know um, whereas the Hangar had a big fucking stage and, and, and it was the, the, there was almost like I need to be out there kind of conveying what I think 
I would be doing if I was on the floor mm-hmm. and it was it was an extension of that and it, it became a really big part of the night and you know I remember <laughs> I remember being obviously a lot younger but I remember waking up on a Sunday with like bruised knuckles from pounding the stage and <laughs> can, a, a total loose cannon just getting right in it just getting lost in it mm-hmm. you know um, so I there was a bit you know it would probably start off in the booth and then you know Trevor would be like get fucking out there and I'd be like alright you know if I go you know uh, that's that you know just carried away but it's uh, the night goes on absolutely and like, influence wise are you still listening to like the enjoy hang the prodigy hang or is like, hip hop coming into that hip, hip hop's a big part of uh-huh. that then because then then it's about okay I, I kind of know what's expected from, from the enjoys and the prodigies and, 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 and stuff like that but how do I make this my own uh-huh. you know if I'm going to be doing this then I need to take the same approach I need to think well how can I how can I you know move things on a wee bit and, and I think with the exception of the stuff that I, I was listening to from the DJ side it was pretty much exclusively hip hop that I listened to um, in my wee audio line tape deck and in my Astra my white Astra that somebody fucking robbed I might add not the car <laughs> they robbed my Your fucking stereo out of the car um, but I, that, that, that pretty much had either an NWA tape or an Ice Cube tape or an Ice T tape or I think that was a bit of that was my rotation it was just an LMC and you just lifting kind of Wee bits from the hip hop kind of thing because I think everybody kind of digs into like the hip hop for even like samples for records Absolutely. and that, and for breaks and, and for wee one bar turnarounds. Hip hop's it's just a you know, it's a gold mine and right. stuff just to pull, you know. And then you, you know, you, you kind of take your own wee spin on it yeah. and, and it goes from there, you know. Um, so I that's where that's where we went with that, and uh, I. And how, um, what kind of year are you thinking that's so Welcome to, you're listening to MC to MC. And, uh, <laughs> but what kind of year are you thinking is like, was there a peak for, for hanging on what you're doing when you just thought, well, this is fucking, you know, I'm on top of the world here. Not in a fucking big headed way, but you just know, you, you, you know, what I've said to like, you know, few guests and that is, so you, you are DJing and you are MCing. Was there a time when you felt, oh, I'm a DJ and I'm in it? No, like you realised this is what you do and you do it well. No one a big-headed, no one a check-me-out thing, just in a, fuck, I'm, I'm in this, I'm doing this. Um, honestly, no. No? I, I, don't, I don't think there ever was because th- th- there was always a, a real big internal critique. And, and I, was, I was probably the world's worst for mm-hmm. it, you know. Um... That was the wrong mix. I should have played that, or uh-huh. I could have done that a wee bit better, or you know, from the MC point of view, um, I should have shut up there and said it there. Aye, and, and it, it was a real learning curve, and and and, and so there was never a kind of line in the sand. Right, I'm done. Not not until a bit later, and I think the future's probably that would probably have been a line in the sand where I thought, yep, I've got that mm-hmm. nailed down, absolutely right I wouldn't have changed anything about that mm-hmm. um, but up until that point, no there was always something to be thinking about and you know, and again there's a lot of a lot of learning from Trevor and you know, and, and I think and I've said this before and I maintain it to this day, and, you know an M, for me an MC's job isn't really to be front of house look at me everybody and, and I can rap 32 verses unbroken 
because I can't for, first of all <laughs> check out my bars <laughs> exactly uh, spit my bar um, <laughs> but, but that aside I think and I, and I got it quite early on I think was it wasn't about me it was about how I can take people over the top mm-hmm. and how I can work with the DJ adding sure, to it adding to it and it's not it's not a it's not a Neil show it's not a fucking mm-hmm. MC Cyclone show it, it's I'm an integral part of the show and the show is the DJ yeah. that, that's who you're paying to come and see um, and if I can compliment that then that's what we'll do I, I think as well that's where so many MCs get it wrong where they think it's about them and Aye. my pet hate is when you hear a DJ saying make some noise for my DJ and you're like dude you've got it fucking so wrong it's Aye. unbelievable absolutely you know and then it's fucking shouting our breaks and no 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 working with it it's, it's the, the it's fucking MC worthy. show Aye, it's horrible it's really cringeworthy and, and I'm not taking anything away from the guys that they can spit bars and they can do their 32s and 64s and stuff like that and, and, and fair play to them for me if there's space in the track and it's the right time of night and, and ultimately if the DJ's up for it then mm-hmm. you'll throw your 32 yeah. bars in but you can't just walk on and pick up a mic and, and, and aim that at people because I don't think that's they're not there to hear that mm-hmm. they're there to hear the break they're there to hear that string breakdown yeah. my job's to tell them when it's coming my job's to tell them that it's here not fucking you know all the all the banter that, that tends to flow mm-hmm. Um and you know, it, with the greatest of respect, anybody that's got the balls to pick up a mic, or anybody that's got the balls to stand behind a set of turntables, deserves some degree of props. You know, it, it, it's not a, it, it's quite a tough gig, you mm-hmm. know. But if you're going to do it and you're going to do it consistently, then do it properly. Aye. Do what you're there to do, and you know, save your ego till for something else that, that, I, I don't know what that is but yeah, yeah. save it for that you know maybe I think, I think they're in it for the wrong reasons to start with you know if it is maybe I may be I don't know um, but it was never it was never my thing you know I think for me if, if there was any kind of ego massaging or feeling good about it it was seeing people seeing people and, and again this sounds really fucking wholesome and, and cheesy but seeing people with their hands in there mm-hmm. seeing people smiling and shouting and screaming that's what it was all about that's yeah. what if I were a punter that's what I'd want Aye. and that's what I want to try and get across I mean the full rave scene it's it's skirts skirts about being very pantomime and really close to cheesiness yeah but there is something amazing and magical in there and all. That's, you know, like... Without a doubt. You know, like, you know, if you dissect, you know, let me see your hands in the air, you know, and it's like simple Simon Says kind of thing. But in the right time, at the right moment, there's just, it's, it means more than the sum of all its parts, doesn't it? It's I know, like a I weird kind of, kind of feeling. I, I think it goes back to this whole unity thing. And again, I know, I know we're talking we're almost talking about cheesy phrases but for me there was that and 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 you want to be part of something uh-huh. bigger and collectively you were yeah. and and you know in the bobbies there were a thousand people who were collectively on the same plane as you in the hangar it was two thousand people that were coll- and you know and that for me was was the whole attraction of the scene yeah and that didn't come i didn't get that from from the indie music scene and I, you know um 
and that for me was amazing. It was absolutely, and and, and, and still is to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, how did the or when did the production side of things start getting you interested, or or, or when did what was what was the first band and how did that come about? Was it Active Force? Or? It was. It was Active Force. I and, and that's I, through yourself, Trevor, and Davey, and Davey who were hanger residents. Yeah, and again, in, in the same way that. You listen to an album, you pick up a guitar, you go clubbing, you get a set of decks, you're in the clubs, you're like you're playing people's productions week in, week out, you think, I think we should have a shot at this, surely there's you, we've got to have some merit in this and and that's where Who it went. Date with you and your mates at your, uh, well, your absolutely, date with you. aye, absolutely. And that's and that's where it started. Uh, so Active Force was was kinda was hatched. Not, not for any kind of again. Not for any kind of commercial reason. Not to sell million million copies of twelve inch or whatever. Just as a way of saying, well, this is our take on mm-hmm. um, on what we think. And it was a, I think it was a four track thing that we'd done on. I don't know. Was it Limbo? Or, it was twenty third. Or it was. It was through twenty third anyway. Um, and it was good. It was good. I mean, the, the active force thing took off. It took off in, 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 in quite a big way for us. And um, what Trevor, kind of years this? You remember? I, I don't know. Ninety three, maybe ninety three, ninety four, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started off with a hanger EP, and then I remember years ago. Well, run about that time. I'd obviously played. The hangar and metal using, I'd, I'd kind of knew Trevor, but I never knew Trevor. And I met you for a drink, or a, I think it was a couple of beers in Presswick, some bar in Presswick. And you were talking about doing what I do music and what gear, because mm. then was it the internet? It was just asking people that Aye. you knew, how the fuck do you do that? <laughs> what do you need to do? You know, because we, we'd all done it, we'd all hounded somebody. Aye. And you'd been doing it at that point because I, I think you'd been in, but you'd played in Bobby's, you know, Bobby's and, and a hanger, and, sort hanger and I just got the EPS and I'm saying, Why get one in, man? It's everything you need in one, and then it was, and it's and just a fucking it. box to fucking do what you want to do on, you know, with limited skills because it's just like sample things and press the keys and sequence it, you know, it's all pretty much feel your way about it. Aye. Don't even know if MD's ever, well, I've never read a manual, but you just, by chipping away at in, it. Aye. And then, I don't know if it was maybe later on or something, I don't know if Trevor bought one or something like that. I think somebody got one. There was mm-hmm. one kicking about. I think Trevor bought it. And, uh, and that was where it started. And then, from there, there was Head Like a Pac-Man, which was probably the first track that... So was you doing, sorry to interrupt, but was you saying PAs and all that, man, you put the record out? I think we was were. It, we, hanger, did you kind of go, let's fucking try aye, and do aye, this? Yeah, we've done it, we've done a couple of things. You're just smashing it, playing it there, and it becomes a hanger record, so yeah. here's a boat, let's play this out kind of aye, thing. Aye, there was, there was, we did a, we did a couple of... Uh, Early kind of PA things where we had we didn't have that many tracks because we hadn't written that many tracks, you know. It was you, Trevor, and Davy. Trevor and Davy, aye. Um, so that was that was in the kind of earlier days, and 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 then Trevor took a wee bit more of a back seat, um, and and kind of let Davy and I go on with it, um, and that's where the the kind of head like a Pac-Man thing came from, and that's where. It, it, 
the hip hop influences came, the break beats came, um, just all the stuff that you've been listening to, uh, and yeah. join, and and it, that was it was great, great times, you know. And how did you work? Did, was you hands on, or was you just mere like try this and sample this kind of? I think D- Davy was and, and still is the, en- the engineer, just an absolute fucking wizard, and he just sucked it all up. Mm-hmm. I, I was more. I love to get involved. I love to be playing on the keys and um, thinking about things to sample. But as as far as the programming went, that was nearly my bag. I could nearly get my. Wasn't it that I couldn't get my head round it? It was just that I didn't want to get my head round it. I just mm-hmm. wanted to make noise and make I think sounds. It's, well, when you when you're working with somebody, he's 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 adopt a role just through that's how it works best for aye how, you know if it's three people or two people everybody can adopt something because there's nothing worse than two folk trying to fight you or writing on a computer aye one guy no, let him fucking sail the boat aye there was no danger that Davey and I would ever fight over who was engineering anything mm. <laughs> <laughs> no danger and, and that was cool and, and, and it was it worked perfectly uh-huh. straight away you know that that, that was and, and that wasn't to say that that, that Davey wasn't involved in the creative side because he was heavily involved uh-huh. in it um, it was just that naturally quite frankly he could get through it quicker because mm-hmm. he knew what he was doing he was in and out of it all day yeah. all day um, whereas for me I was dropping in and out of it when I could um, so I that, that's where we went um, where was he writing the stuff? it was do you remember Tommy Gorman? Tommy Gorman had a sound. Aye, 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 aye. He, I'm, I'm sure he used to do the, the, the sound and hanger. And he had a studio in the Gorbals. Uh, and it was in there. It was a room in, in one of his lockups, kind of thing. In one of his storage places, aye. And it was, you know, studio, studios are all the same. They're all kind of dark and dingy, a wee bit damp, you know. But, but that, that's where it all happens, uh-huh. you know, the rave caves. Um, and that was, that was a perfect perfect rave cave we could make as much noise as we wanted nobody's buying on it was nah no nah, nobody's doing anything there's nobody there uh-huh. you know um, so the three of us uh, you know at the start the three of us would be in there sweating over this EPS and, and, and trying to think of ideas and, um, and and pulling stuff together you bringing up records to fucking there's a break here because digging and all that was always a big part of finding samples I, 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 I I think we did when we needed to, but I think we were, because we were all playing, we were all acutely aware of what each other was playing every week, because we were all there from the start to the end of the night every week. It wasn't a case of, well, I'm not until then, so I'll turn up mm-hmm. then. It was like, that's when I start working, that's when I finish it. So, um, aye, there was... There was just there was just a lot going on and it was it was exciting and it was fresh and, you know, it was and, and it was that way we are anything was you, you could do anything mm-hmm. just no rules aye no rules at all and, and that was really cool Um and then it, and, it, and it went off from there so many singles did you just put out as Active Force I don't know man four five maybe Um was that something that you know also then you and Davey pursued Danemere gigs as a PA can hang on a circuit away from Hanger away from Hanger and is that eating into your how do you want that if you're resident as well and do you use in their residents it was was tricky it was quite tricky to do it and and, and, you know we we spoke at length with Trevor about wanting to go on the road and take it on the road and, and, and be there when we could be there kind of thing and Trevor was cool about it you know he was he was cool and, and, and it worked it worked it worked quite well um, 
So then we were kind of on the circuit, if you like, along with, with yourselves and everybody else mm-hmm. doing doing the rounds, you know. Um, and it was cool. I mean, I think I think. Is that your first time kind of then maybe experiencing other clubs? Absolutely. Aye. Aye. Because that absolutely. must have been an eye-opener as well. Going, it was. This is happening everywhere. I know. It was. And, and, you know, some were better than others. And and, and you go into some clubs and you'd think, oh, can I think, I've just been spoiled rotten. Aye. Where, where, where we come from and, you know. But you always, you know, I, I, the, I could count my one hand the bad clubs that I went to. Well, they were all banging. Can you can you can you remember any good ones or any nights that stick in your mind? I remember loads of them. Um, the food bar was was a was a great place to be. Uh, Nosebleed and Rosyth was phenomenal. Uh, the Irish scene was <laughs> it was just on a different level. Mm-hmm. There there's some fantastic nights over in Ireland. Um, Exit 15, Charlie Hegarty's, Kelly's, Circus, um, Circus, Circus, Circus and Bambridge, aye, all of that. Um, aye, they were, they were really good nights. Even, I mean, the Metro, some great nights in the Metro as well. Um, as I say, there were, there were few few places that we went to where we thought, oh, actually, this is, this is shite. You know, it was, Nothing a, worse. it was a big thing. It was a big, big thing. And, you know, it was, most of the places we went were busy. There was the occasional shiter, you know, but that you, you take that. I think shite gigs are good in a way that they, they make you appreciate the good ones. Absolutely. Even there. Absolutely. You need to do a shite gig every now and again. Aye, I don't understand how, see all these A-listers, you know, how how they compute like just stadium, stadium, stadium. Amazingness, production, amazingness. Where's the shite gigs in there for them to realise how good how they've good, actually got it? Aye, no, I, I, I totally agree. You know, they're, they're turning up at some fucking shithole playing it and going, what am I doing here, man? <laughs> Aye. And then how do they compute what is a good night and what's a bad night, you know? Aye. There's no real compromise. There's no, no but compromise. There's nothing to judge it on. Yeah. Every fucking stadium, big room production, kind of looks the same from a DJ box no matter it where does. in the world you are aye, aye maybe does. a good gig to them is one they didn't need to fly so far to go to maybe I don't know I'd done the gig and I drove home it was absolutely fantastic <laughs> <laughs> my private jet it wasn't used absolutely aye I can't really I can't I, could, I couldn't comment on that I really don't know it's a different world to me when did um Active force kind of peak. did it peak and you walked away from it or did it just run its own course? How did or did it come up? Did it stop? Or was it something else it took over? I, I don't think there was any definitive. We need to draw a line under this. There, there really wasn't. I think a lot of it was to do with um, at, at, at the time I used to go up every Thursday religiously to Davies to do to do active force productions. Um, and I'd taken on a new job that I couldn't get up there every Thursday and it became every second Thursday and then it just kind of gradually mm-hmm. faded away from there. There was never a, never a, we can't do this anymore, we've ran its, it's ran its road because mm-hmm. I never really felt that it had and I don't think David did either. You know, we were, you know, we were heavily involved in mu- musically every kind of genre of dance music and we want from from my own point of view I wanted to try and do as much as I could and you know um, 303s had come in and you know Thursday some of those sessions had just turned into big two hour jam sessions Mm -hmm. you know nothing was recorded it was just two hours vibing on a couple of patterns and Mm -hmm. you know um, 
So I there was never really a right. That's that's it. Ran its course. It never never happened like that. Just real life. Can I go and can, can I hang that, that, And that's it. It's just yeah. You know, I can't get every Thursday off, mate. I, I, I need to try and come up. And Davy had all the gear. He had the desk, and you know, I'd had my own we set up at home. But there's no way it would have worked because we were used to using the stuff that was available in Davy's studio, and you know, the racks and effects and all the rest of it. So, um, it just kind of it just kind of petered away, and there was there, there was no. You know, it was a shame in that regard because I think there was probably more that we could have done there easily. It's a shame you never got an album together just to kind of document that time and work. Aye. You know, there's a lot of, you know, like artists and that that you think, you know, if they put a B, I think an album is a great B milestone of, you what know, was going a, on a body of work. snapshot. Yeah. Aye. And I think, you know, in the dance scene, there's a lot of artists that, it's just a shame they never put an album together. You know, like maybe Enjoy would be a great idea. You know, like Live in Manchester, although that's not an, an album. If they'd put an album like that at their heyday, it would have been probably still listened to the now, you yeah. know, like a prodigy experience like a prod- type of thing. Without a doubt, that, that's where I would sit it right next to that. They did go and put an album out, but it's maybe just the rang album at the rang time, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's loads, of, you know, loads of dance acts. I think could have done an album. I mean, it would have been good if you had done that, wouldn't it? I, I would love. I mean, it. we had that many things, you know, and I think it's the same as every producer. You've got for every one track, you've got ten that you never finished. Uh-huh. You've got ten vibes there that you could, you know go back to in a different day and do something else with and some days you just hit a wall and you can't take mm-hmm. it any further you know and so I dare say that there would have been stuff there to, to get involved with but that that was in the days of the Atari 1040 and floppy disks and mm-hmm. dart machines and stuff like that and even trying to come across that material now is a bit of a struggle wow. you've no idea where, it was, where you put it not to mention try to set it up when you had it <laughs> I, I try to keep it when you had it mm-hmm. a couple of gigs we had where we had that machine stolen and mics stolen and stuff like that things going missing things going missing aye. so to just kind of get this if you want to pick maybe an early dance track that sticks out for you and then maybe one of your Active Force productions and then in the next part we can talk about what happened after that. Okay. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to take a, a track from my warm-up days and, and for me this was and still is probably one of my favourite dance tracks and it was always the point in my warm-up where I thought right let's try and take it up a wee gear and uh, Cowgirl by Underworld just a seminal seminal piece of music to this day Mm -hmm. Um, an active force it's it's got to be Head Like a Pac-Man that that, the vocal your favourite active force track Aye, hands down. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved, I loved pretty much all of the tracks that we'd done. But I think everything about that track was bang on the money. The vocal was brilliant. The breakdown was brilliant. The break beat was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of it's got to be that man. Definitely. Let's play them and come back to that. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. 
So collaboration wise, how did the what was the first ones and how did they come about? You know, with the the future and what one? There was quite a few, weren't there? A couple. I think I think there was there would have been three in total. Um, the future was first, and then the master plan, and I think around about the same time was uh, all around the world with, with Trevor and, and Patrick. So I and is this just guests coming playing hanger like die witness is also <laughs> the first one, and they, you just kind of striking out a relationship with him coming over playing at the club. Or I I, th- I think one of the things that that made hanger what it was was was. As far as I knew, and and I'm I'm pretty confident in this that that Trevor was in the driving seat with regards to the music policy, and and he was just asking the question all the time of, well, let's bring these guys over, let's bring these guys over, and and if and the tune's big in the club, let's get them out. Aye, people had never, I don't think they'd done that. Certainly not that I knew of, and uh, in, in that in that in that scene, um, and and I don't think Die Witness had been. To, to, to Scotland before Hanger had a lot of fuss with who they were bringing didn't they aye and that, and that again that, that was that was down to the music policy and the way it was being driven and it wasn't it wasn't reactive it was absolutely proactive it's like we'll go and get them we'll go and get them and um, and being part of that was amazing because you were playing these tunes inside out every week week in week out and and to have them there in front of you was, it was just taking it to a different level just from a you know from being Involved in the club night to, to the punters, and it was just these guys are coming through the door. Wow! And everybody's bringing a reggae into that time. Uh, absolutely, it was like full fucking shows and aye, full full productions, and and it was hard not to bring your reggae to hangar because it was you know close to two thousand people every week. It was it was a big it was a big gig. Um, so so the uh, the die witness boys came over and I remember the dancers more than them to be fair because they were two hot fucking mad stripper dancer type things, weren't they? Quite hard to forget Aye. and 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 lovely lovely girls as well. I mean it, they, they were all it, the, the thing was everybody was cool. Everybody was cool that came over, you know. Um, so I they they they'd came over and I think I don't actually know how it came about, but I think I think the deal was that. Misha and, and, and Patrick, so Die Witness and Night Raver had, had came over to do their bit. Um, I'd done their bit, and then they'd obviously kicked around for the for the rest of the night to see us kind of doing our bit. Um, and it span out of that, you know. Misha had said, "Look, why don't you come over to to Holland and we'll and we'll do something together?" Because the tracks before that, what was the one I really liked? That what would you like to hear again? Or was that yeah. the name of the track? Uh, aye, because I like their full vibe them? with the fucking cartoon alien fucking things on aye, the discs. That work, and, yeah. And even the sound, you know, it was like pretty fucking full on rave, wasn't it? Aye, it was. Um, so they were also massive tracks in the hangar, and then getting them out to play that kind of shit. Aye, and 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 it was a kind of. I don't I don't know if if the die witness guys had seen anything quite like hangar before in mm. terms of what what, what we'd been doing. Um, so it was a case of saying, you know, come over to Holland and, and, and see what happens. So so Trevor and I did. Trevor had his 303 under his arm and uh, we get the ferry over. And, uh, Is that how it sealed the deal? Trevor had a 303 as well, wasn't it? Just like fucking, let's get him over and smoke a pancake. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if it sealed the deal. I think it was, it was 
the 303 was becoming a bit more prevalent in, in Hangar it was it was a common theme through quite a lot of the night at mm-hmm. that point and and just like everything else you know Trevor's like ah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying a 303 and, and everybody was like oh, he's got a 303 a real 303 with a wee silver plastic carry case that he put ah, in yeah. you know? um, so I, he's clicking and whirring in the ferry over and I'm I'm, I'm thinking right if this does get to a, a full on production I'm going to need a better a better MC handle than MC Nielski. Um Is that what you were just called Nielski? I, I just never gave it a thought. Yeah. I was never. I never really had to think about it. So, in between trying to program the three hundred three riff and 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 plenty of beers on the ferry over, we came up with uh, with Cyclone as the. Oh, so you actually name. thought of the name. On, on the, the ferry, ferry over, because you're thinking, like, I need something to put on the record, kind of thing. Oh, I'm just thinking, if it gets to that yeah. stage, if what we produce is good enough and 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 it's signed, then I can't really, it doesn't really work, you know. So that that was what we, the catchy title of a, a natural disaster was was where we settled. Um, and do you like the name Cyclone now? Because once I, you get a name, it just becomes a name. You don't think about it, but obviously you're thinking about it back then and put it on I, yourself. The, the, uh, the, I don't know. It's a bit tongue in cheek, you know. It's, it's it's almost a wee bit of a parody, you know. But I do like it, and it's stuck, and I can't change it, and I wouldn't change it, uh-huh. and as but as, you know. Um, so I, uh, you know, I think it was we couldn't think anything better. And I don't think it was bad where we ended up, so that, that so that was what stuck. When you think of the Dutch accent, do you say Shaikloom? There was quite a bit of that. There was quite a bit of Shaikloom. Um, aye, so that that was. <laughs> Have you ever just introduced yourself as Cyclone? <laughs> no, no. Hey, wait, what's your name? Cyclone. <laughs> Cyclops is probably more more, more likely to just Um But no, no, that was and and the cool thing about it is that was the kind of. That was almost the alter ego. That was the, you know, I'm new to the point where you take the mic and you go over that line in the stage, and then you're, you know, you're cycling, and it uh-huh. allows you, to, it allows you to be that kind of the character. I almost the character, you know, um, which is in pretty stark contrast to handing the mic off and, and going backstage, where uh-huh. you know I'm not not quite as, or certainly back in the day, not quite as. Uh, is energetic and a wee bit mental, you know. So when you're going out to do the the die witness thing, are you thinking like, are you putting down, scribbling down lyrics, or did you have a concept, an idea of what you were going out to do? We ne- we never had a concept at all. That was the thing. It, it, it was a kind of we knew because Misha had said like I've started working on something we never knew what it was we had no foresight of it I'd independently started working on a vocal um, uh, and Trevor had started working in a 303 and, and that was it it was just we went into Misha's studio um, which was his bedroom um, and the vocal booth which was I don't know a converted cupboard uh-huh. um, and that was it we just did it and you know, it all it all kind of went together. Just gelled. And did you feel when you were doing it, something's fucking vibing? You just, just oh, aye, buzzing think, on it. I think you know. I mean, I think we've all we've all been there when you're when you're in the studio and that one thing happens and you think, oh, I, 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 we're onto something uh-huh. here. And, uh, so we'd come in, we'd listen to the, the the bit that Misha had done and and you know the big instrumental breakdown, and we thought that sounds quite cool. Uh, plugged in Trevor's 303 and that sounded 
exactly I think as we wanted it to sound or as certainly the way Trevor wanted it to sound it was, it was quite jaggy and it was in a bit of, bit of a contrast to what, what Misha had done and then the, the work was okay how do I fit this vocal in here and that was it it was done you know we did we did the vocal in, in one take there was you know back at that point there was no you know there was nothing to allow you to do multiple takes mm-hmm. and edits and stuff like that it was we're doing one take go for it kind of thing well you're running a full song live aye you're just showing your eyes kidding on your fucking in the gig innit aye and, that, and, that, and that's that's a bit of a challenge you know because you're actually in a shoe cupboard you know but, but, <laughs> but you, you know you've got enough experience to draw on uh-huh. what it would be like when you take it live um, and that was it so you know we I think we were over there for for three three maybe four days so we came with some component parts and, and we left with the future. Uh, Did you take it back and play in the hangar that weekend? That weekend, aye. Um, and, and sort of Trevor had intro that, 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 you know, explained what had gone on and this is, and, and it just tore it apart. From the just first time we played chaps the door. Oh, aye. We are champagne. Oh, we're going to get it. <laughs> <laughs>
I've got fresh towels. We're back to Neil. I've not got fresh towels because I'm in this room and as opposed to mowing. You might get up and your room's all like fucking spruced up and done and everything. Maybe I. I don't know. I don't like getting my room done when I'm out. I just don't have a lot of trust. <laughs> yeah. I just think they're going through your pants now. For why? I have no idea. But yeah, they're welcome to. There's, there's nothing but darkness there. <laughs> Especially as a 24 hour flight, man. You just burn the fuckers, don't you? Aye. Just let fucking get that in a bag and bury it somewhere. Okay, where the fuck are you going? Just take it far away. Drive. We're in Australia. I'm driving out into the bush in my day off. I'm just bumming my underwear. <laughs> but back to the track. Um, so you've took so it back, played it for the hire for the first time, is that in the big system as well? On the big system. Must have been a buzz, man. And and it was it was it was written for that audience. It was absolutely written for that because that's what that's what sparked it. It was, it was that night that sparked it. It was that night that brought them over to start with. It was that night that started the conversation as, about us doing something. Uh-huh. And so it, it seemed fitting that it was the first night we played it was to was to that crowd. Do you know what as well? The hangar crowd, I think, would have just, you know, even if it, that, and I mean this with the, you know, the biggest, like, if it was a crock of shit, the crowd would have still embraced it because you were their boys, you were their res, you know, they were behind you. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Aye, it's kind I of, mean, the, there was that support back then, I think, it, because it's, you, <laughs> they, they probably knew you were probably gone. I don't know if Priff Trevor that went, we're going to, or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? They were like, hmm so loyal like to be supportive I mean I think they would definitely have been supportive I, I think in all honesty if it had been a croc I, we, I, I exaggerated there. I, just I, know, to, I know what you're saying but I think we would have seen that uh-huh. you know I, because I think as much as they were loyal they were also quite they'd got used to having uh, you, uh, you know I, 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 you wouldn't have just played a bass drum and went check that suit we wouldn't have to do that <laughs> but you know what I mean like they were I, just I, I know I do. I, they were they were absolutely supportive and, and it was that kind of uh, big words but it was that kind of symbiotic we fed off them they fed off us uh-huh. and, and I think it brought out the best in everybody or I'd like to think that's aye, the way aye, it aye. was that's certainly how I felt and I'm I'm pretty sure that was how Trevor felt as well um, but I think the first time we played it I mean we'd, we'd came back on the ferry listening to it and thinking aye that's that's good man that is that is a good, your, good piece of music what was you listening to on, I, think it, was a, I think it was a dart right. I think it was a, it was definitely a dart or maybe even a mini disc I can't even uh-huh. But we were definitely listening to it on the way back, thinking, "I that that's that's a solid we, track." We're sort of giddy buzzing. He's gone, "Fucking, we've just done that. Can't wait to play it." That there there was definitely that. I uh-huh. cannot wait to see how uh-huh. this goes down, you know. And and uh, and and it did. I mean, it, it tore it up. And and Trevor again, and and the way Trevor does it, he, he played it at exactly the right time on the night and you know as you say there would have been an element if we'd just put a bass drum and me farting on it people would have been all over it you know <laughs> um, but I, I mean but that, that, that just solely in that <laughs> just in that kind of fucking you know they're, they're, before even they hear it they're on board you know aye, like, aye it's, a, it's, a, it's a I wouldn't say a quick win but you, you're playing to a partisan audience mm-hmm. you know so you know that there's going to be some love for it um, but I think while we were doing that Misha and, and, and the Midtown boys were doing their bit over there, and for them it was it was uncharted. You know, I don't I don't think that they'd done anything like that before. And I mean, subsequent to that, you had uh, low noise and Theo put a couple of things together like that. But but I think that was certainly the first for for them. 
um, and it just it just went. I think it went bigger than anybody thought it would go, and it was you know that way where you get your first license to another country and you think that's cool, and then you get your first license to twenty six countries and you're thinking, how, how the fuck did that happen? Mm-hmm. You know that was the that was nearly the plan. That wasn't the plan for this. Yeah. The plan was just to see what came out of it. Um, and I, th- I think from there it, it became it just became a monster an mm-hmm. absolute monster um, so not not only was you know Hangar still the, the root of it um, but, but I was you know I was doing the stuff with Davio on the active force tip and then Misha had, had started kind of touring a bit more with you know with, with the Die Witness stuff and then with the future included in the Die Witness stuff so I was getting involved with some of that as well and, and again going abroad did uh, there was a few, I, I mean we'd, we'd, we'd had a taste of that Davey and I had done uh, had done quite a bit of stuff abroad you know we'd, we'd done the Ibizas we'd done um, Switzerland there's a few things out in Switzerland that we'd done that were just absolutely immense and again those those people I mean the Swiss thing was just my first experience of that I'd never never experienced European crowds and how they kind of deal with things a wee bit differently you know and they did the hands in the air thing but the cheers came when the beat came back in and mm-hmm. I, I, I couldn't really wrap my head around that and it was you could hear it um, so I and then you know uh, the future had and sort of started moving things in, in that circle and, um, and then that's what first brought me to Oz was the was it was a tour with the, the die witness guys. Um when was that? What year was that? I don't know. It was quite it was quite late I seem to think, maybe ninety nine. Aye. Two thousand maybe, ninety eight, ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. Um but I it was it was quite quite far on I think. So I that was uh, that was the, the future, and then did the other ones follow quickly. After I think that? I think it became I wouldn't say a cookie cutter thing, but that we knew that that worked, um, and I think that you know the follow up from that was right. Well, there's there's definitely some more to be done here, and that that recipe for you know a big kind of anthemic track and a and a kind of brief vocal. We knew it worked well. We knew that, that um, the future had kind of set a precedent for it. So it was a case of doing more with that, but not ripping the arse out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the three tracks that that we'd done collectively, I think, were were pretty much perfect. I, I don't think we could have done a whole lot more yep. without it starting to sound like it was trying to be a whole lot more. Do you know what I mean? Uh, um, have you got a favourite out of the three, though? Um, I like them all for different for different reasons, you know. But but I think the future's the future. That it, it, it was written with a purpose. It, you know, it was written. Um, that was the start of it. That was the kind of the first time that that kind of thing had came together. So that has to be the favourite, you know. Mm. I mean, I really like all around the world and and, and the master plans as a massive track. But 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 for me. The, the kind of edginess and the rawness of the future is still the one that does it for me. Mm-hmm. That, that 303 line is just immense. Bizarrely, Big Trevor said to me that on the podcast that he'd just go to the 303 and he was trying to learn how they fucking work it. Mm. And he said this pattern that they used was actually in the machine already. Really? Because I was like, it's a fucking peach. He goes, I've never even done it. 
And I, I remember being like, what? So he, and he's crediting like, thanks to the guy who I bought it off. Aye, whoever you are. Aye, fair play. Aye. So, when did things start kind of winding down? You know, you know when, not so much the bubble burst, but was there a time when you kind of felt either I'm fucking scunner or, you know, what was there, was there a downward thing? I, I, I wouldn't, there wasn't a sort of downward in that in the respect of it being oh this is fucking shite because the business is fucking horrible aye but that, and, I, and I think for me I never get into this I, you know I, I got into this as an extension of being a clubber I never got into it with any kind of um, idea of it becoming my job or you know becoming my my income and and I think where it where it went when it started to go down for me is when it when it became a job mm-hmm. and I thought right well let's give it a go as a job and I think what well, as in giving it full your full time commitment sort aye, of thing I giving it a hundred percent what kind of was there a year that you went full time on this I, I actually there there was there was a, there was a period of a few years and it was probably around ninety four maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the minute it became a living as opposed to the coolest fucking hobby in the world was the, was, the, was the point where you start, the sheen comes off the scene a wee bit, you know, and you start to realise how much of a fucking pit of snakes it really is. Uh. It really is. It's a, And we've all, everybody's got those kind of stories, you know, and, and I just didn't that's not why I got into this mm-hmm. you know and, and, I, and I lost I don't know I almost lost a wee bit of respect for it I mean the, the audiences were the same the crowds were always going to be the same but it was the promoters and, and even some of the acts you know it was the that kind of eye one-upmanship and and I, and I thought this isn't no I, I, I don't want this I don't mm-hmm. want to and then it's you know you, you start to kind of rely on the income because it's your only source right. of income and, and, and it becomes more business related and and it was almost a bit too grown up and it was like nah nah I had a job that dealt with that bit uh-huh. and, and this was the great re- release from that um, maybe like taking a gig knowing the merits of fucking can I make play it's just kind of like well it's an income it's an income man yeah um, and, and that and I didn't enjoy that and that you know that that kind of took the as I say it took the sheen off the scene for me um, and that you know that, club that, scene records as well weren't you aye we did for a, like, for even a while. try to get money off them and all that as an income so fucking chasing itself aye <laughs> um, and it was you know and that was the, the cool thing about the club scene thing was that you know we had access to a, a really big studio Haldane studio and, and you know all the beauty that that brought with mm-hmm. it and the big oomph that it gave the productions and um, and the rest of it but but again all the infighting and you know and that promoter doesn't like that promoter and that label doesn't like that label and they hate each other and you've got a track in this label and a track in that label and it's like oh no 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 it's ironic isn't it I've seen where like Unity's like the main theme on the dance floor and then behind that it's just fucking bitching and Aye, sniping and just all the all the things that that I don't think many folk would want in their life you know that was it was just too much mm-hmm. there was a lot of politics and and you know running parallel to that was a scene that was was starting to 
to, to tear up a wee bit you know the media had got a hold of it it was a bandwagon thing for the media and you know the the, un, the unfortunate incidents at, at, at Hangar and other clubs I might add but you know where, where, where people had sadly you know lost their lives I think the media jumped all over that and everything was vilified and you were all demons and mm-hmm. it was just the the scourge and I think that you had promoters backing away from it at that point and, and then it became the fewer promoters that were left is that everybody's fighting for those scraps and and, and that for me again as I said that, that wasn't why I got involved mm-hmm. in it to start with so it wasn't a difficult decision at that point to say nah nah this isn't for me anymore um, the thing that you said about the hangar you know that there was like death, like there wasn't a few clubs at the time yeah did that hit you hard did you take that yeah, personally absolutely it, it's hard not to uh-huh. especially because the, the whole purpose of it was to to give people the night of their lives you know and and, and to see, to you know, to hear about that happening, and and yeah, it's just not. It's the last thing you'd want to hear about, anyway, you know. Um, but I think the media were absolutely disgraceful during that period, mm. and it was an easy win for them, and I understand why they did it. But um, did they get? I mean, I'm quite. I, I don't. I've, I've never really been like a newspaper guy with they right on board and milking it for everything. Of course they were, as as they do with anything. That's what shifts units, you uh-huh. know. That's what shifts papers. Is so that scandal what, and bullshit? Uh, just what, just nonsense. Sorts. And you had people, you know, you had people selling out. You had people, you had guys that used to take pictures that were selling pictures to the papers, and right, you just right. think, fucking, where's the unity in this? Uh-huh. This is horrible. Um, so as I say, you know, at that point it was. There was there's quite a bit of disillusionment, and and maybe that just comes with being in the scene for for a wee while, you know. But but for me, it was like, well, that's not that's mm-hmm. not why I got involved in this. I'm 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 not. I'm off, and that was it. Um, so did you walk away from music in general? Or, or, pretty much, I'd I'd kind of I'd kind of had enough of music, and there would have been a good. I mean, I'd, I I moved down to London in in two thousand for with work and. Um, and I just didn't listen to music. I mean, there was nothing that I was that engaged with. And I think because I'd seen the other side of it, I just thought, nah, I'm not feeling this at all. Paul's coming for I know. It's no me, big man. Um, so I, and, and I don't think it was a bad thing. I don't think it was a bad thing to kind of step away from it because I think the scene needed to sort itself out. Mm. And, and, and it wasn't just the rave scene. I think it was just, it almost stalled a wee bit. Um, I think nobody really knew what they wanted to, go. to listen to or where to go with it. Aye. Um, 97, 98, then also trans and that had been kicking off in Europe, but Scotland was in this hardcore fucking bubble. Yeah. No one letting in. And that, and that frustrates <laughs> shame, me. I, but, and I think to some extent it's still like that. Uh-huh. And it frustrates me because there's so much talent in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And, and, I'd, and, and I'd like to think that you know it's not it's not all about what happened then mm-hmm. you know I think I think there's a lot of stuff coming out of Scotland that's that's world renowned but most of the guys um, that are doing that spend most of their time not in this country mm-hmm. or not in this country but, but not in Scotland because you know people won't turn up to it and, and that I find a wee bit frustrating um, I find it massively frustrating if I'm honest because I think you know, we should be supporting this. We should be supporting what mm-hmm. we're creating in our country. Um, 
But it used to, the, the, it used to be like you built your your vibe up in your home tough and then took, took it elsewhere. It now it's almost kind of like you have to build up elsewhere and then come back to your, your own doorstep. And I find that quite alien. But then again, at least they're still flying a flag and going Absolutely. To, you know, like no, guys no. like um, Mark Sherry, obviously, Will Atkinson, Scottish guys producing, yep. let's say, like trans and then even in the techno side. Yeah. Boy, what is it? Fitzpatrick and a couple of other techno guys are doing it on that scene, you know? So they are kind of doing it. Ah, they are. Techno thing's massive. It's like a new big Aye. deep house commercial ship. But I, you know, I, I still speak to you know to people like Mark and and Davy, and it, you know, and they're talking about doing a night, and they're talking about getting a couple hundred bodies through the door. But the next week they'll be out and you know somewhere in the world, and they'll be you know 10, 15,000 at a mm. gig you know and I just think why why can we not do that in our country and I don't know if it's maybe there's just saturation I don't know if the the market's been cornered I don't know if the market's big enough but but I think that's where it all started and, and, and we should be supporting that mm. you know um, so I so that was uh, it was it was going back to getting out of it for a wee while it was easy to get out of it and you know geographically I wasn't close to it I was I, I was down in London and um, just got the work he done and just got, became I just, an adult I just <laughs> I just you know and, and, and I was okay with that uh-huh. you know I, I was fine with that because I, I, I think there was time for that And Aye. did you feel like you know, you'd your funds sort of thing there was that and, and again because I never really had any aspirations past an extension of clubbing it, it was that was such a such a ride such a cool ride mm-hmm. and and if that's all it ever came to then I can look back in it fondly and you know it, it wasn't getting that kind of gripey bitchy angry disappointed way it was just well I got out when I got out uh-huh. you know um, but you'd done a couple of things with Die Witness when you were doing London then well that, that was like- the thing I never really got out I kind of got out of the day to day of it um, and then it went back to what it had always tried to be for me which was you know just the coolest hobby in the world uh-huh. you know and, and I'm, I'm taking nothing away from the guys that do it day in day out and I've got nothing but respect for the guys that, that do it um, but my, my own enjoyment came and still comes from dipping in and out of it and, and, and getting involved for all the good reasons when it suits you it, when it suits me and it's a bit it's a bit selfish but the, you know that's the kind of I can take all the good bits and, and leave all the bad bits out because I, I don't need to get involved you know I think you so cherry pick, I, there's no it, you know it's, it just becomes quite an easy decision uh-huh. you know um, and I think as you get older you, you get that sense of I don't need that I don't want to do that you know but I will do that because they are fucking brilliant and, uh-huh. and, and I'm always going to do that um, and I think that's really cool because like we spoke about earlier you need to choose wisely because it's family time that you're losing it on that you don't get back you don't get a second chance absolutely there's not an old school reunion for you know being a dad being a dad aye um, and again it is which it, I fucking wish there was because you miss so much <laughs> you do you do but again I, I've been I've been quite you know careful to try and limit that and you know even an anime we spoke about this earlier even if I've been out on a Saturday um, and I'm back in at three I'll, I'll be up at I'll be up at eight to take the kids to football because that's no, that's that. more important I know where I'm missing that you know um, so it's, it's, in a, it's in a good place that I can I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to still be offered things and I'm fortunate enough to be able to say yeah I'll do that or 
no, I can't, I can't get involved with that or whatever, you know. Um, so, so moving on to late two thousands and the public domain thing coming up, how was you, was you kind of apprehensive about taking that on? Very, aye, very apprehensive because again, I, I, you know, I'd been in London for a wee while and and I'd had a break for everything. And you were still doing in London at that point. Aye, aye I was still I down in London. Aye, and and I was away. I was away, I'd carried off the breakbeat thing and I was away down the rabbit hole of drum and bass, which is something I've never really came back out of. I'm still deeply immersed in that scene and well, musically, not involvement, just just enjoying, enjoying it, it, you know. Um, and I can't remember where the initial call came from. I don't know if it was Davey. I phoned you for Davey, well, Davey and I were in. Aye, I remember speaking to you and, and, and I was out, I was in... I think I was doing field sales or something like that. So was I was. You, you're in your work. I'm in my work. And you're just phoning you through the day. Aye. Work, but I think everything's cool. And aye, and I'm and it was fine. I think I was in a a lay-by in some road in Norwich, you uh-huh. know, and and that was feeling like a full-on Alan Partridge vibe from <laughs> 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 my big plate and everything. Um, and I thought, well, I maybe maybe this maybe this is a be a be road back in, and uh-huh. you know. And I'm glad I took it because it has been a road back in and it's a road that, you know, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed and I've had as much enjoyment out of that as I've done with any of the stuff I'd done previously, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I think my recollection of it was that, you know, you, you were at a point where you needed to be a dad more than you needed to be on the road. And that was my understanding mm-hmm. of it and, and, and you wanted to take a bit of a, a back seat on it and, and, and Jamesy from PD who's sitting right yeah. across from me now um, and Mark um, needed somebody to kind of fill those shoes and uh, and, I, and I'd seen Blade come out I was in, you know, I remember uh, I was in HMV in Croydon I was in and I, and I remember hearing it and, and I remember being re- really proud that it was that it was James and Mark and, and Mal and Davy that were involved in this and it was like, you know, I could say to my mates in London, these are my mates, these are yeah. the guys I know, I grew up with these boys, you know, and and I, and I thought home, that, home supports coming out. Absolutely, in London. And and the London thing was complete that that and and always has been its own insular little scene. Uh-huh. It's got its own thing going on. But this cut through that, you know, so it was it was a fairly I think with the time I'd had out of the scene it made me realise how much I missed the good bits of the scene. Um, so it was kind of timely that, that that conversation had happened. And um, so I, I remember you and Davey speaking to me in, in Norwich and then it was it would have been Jimmy that, that gave me a call. Um, I don't know, I think that was in the, the Friday and then and, and I think the following Saturday we were in Tokyo. <laughs> Is that right? Is that how fucking quick it was? I was fucking nuts. Um, So it was a case of, this is the set we're going to be playing. And I don't know, did we, did we not, I think we did a rehearsal for that down in Surrey somewhere. We spent the weekend in that studio farm down in London. That's the one, aye. Where we rehearsed most of the weekend before we flew. Aye. Fuck it. So that was it, you know, from having that kind of, hiatus and getting my work head on to saying to my work can I take some holiday away right and at the deep end uh, aye so I'll be in I'll be in uh, Japan a week for now fucking hell man. And, uh, I didn't know it was just as fucking <laughs> as that <laughs> because big bang pow aye because even for me man my head was fucking melted with the full tour inside it and mm. you know all the business fucking horrible about it all and, yeah. and at the same time I felt the kind of loyalty to the boys that 
fucking stepping away is like just fucking I kick the balls to everybody but yeah. you can't be in something if you're no if you're no in it, in it. yeah and it, it was something that I mean the fall public domain thing was something I struggled with mentally <laughs> for the start right through because of where I had been before it and yeah. you know and and, and been on the, the, the ride with it but mm. it was that kind of fucking trying to know make you know fuck it up for for, for everybody involved kind of thing you know and you know when we spoke to you about it it was kind of like fuck. I think I actually spoke to you before I'd even approached any of the boys about really I that because I, I wanted to make sure that things were kind of I don't know where I was thinking mentally like I was just going cheese boys yeah. or whatever and I think that was my kind of was that long I think that was my kind of thinking mm. but then when you, you've quickly fucking sprung right after the deep end you're on fucking Japan and then I think what about the recording side of things that's that did that happen quite soon? I don't think we wasted a lot of time, really. I mean, I, th- I think that the deep end thing was, I wasn't really a stranger to that. And I, I, I think, as we've said, everything that I'd done. But I never knew it was like fucking a couple of days. You know, like whatever, you know you're saying, you, you had a few conversations, then you had the rehearsals, then you were in Japan. Mm. You know, that's fucking quite mad, you know, like, as in a space of time. Aye. Again, it was it, it, you know it was what it was. It uh-huh. was just if if you're in it, you're in it, and you've got to deal uh-huh. with it. And and I and I think there was a, there was a bit of apprehension because it was it had crossed over, and it and, and it was in an environment and an area that I'd never been in. You know, I, I'd always had that kind of rave thing. I'd never crossed over into the commercial. And, and you know, I've obviously watched the video and I've seen you as the front man, and I'm thinking, well, how do I? How do I emulate that? Right. How, how how do I do that? And and then I kind of reached the decision that well I don't. Aye. That that was your thing and 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 what I think it was. But there was an element of how how do I fill those your boots? Your own And you know and 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 then I t- it was a case of well I don't fill those boots because those are those boots. I need to bring my own boots. Does that? <laughs> <laughs> so I brought my own wee pair of boots. Can't keep it Um and, and it was great because I think you and Mark were, were quite open to that. You weren't looking for a carbon copy necessarily, um, which is just as well. Otherwise, I don't I don't think we'd all be sitting here, you know. No, I don't think it would have worked. Uh, so I, uh, and, and I think after the, the Tokyo gig, and I think we'd spent, it was about five or six days we were out there for. We were out there for was a wee it, was while. Was it a mega gig? Was it a really good gig to play as well? Aye, aye, it was. It was, uh, we did a... <laughs> We mind we did the the HMV in Shibuya. We did that was uh, so we did a wee kind of an in-store type of thing. A wee in-store showcase thing, which was bonkers. Um, but I think it became for me anyway. It became quite apparent quite quickly that we were all kind of on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. There were there was there wasn't any kind of you know mismatch or thinking or styles or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it became quite easy to just for me anyway just to slot in and. You know, there's probably a mutual respect as well because the guys knew what you'd done in the past, and mm. you know there was that. Who is this cunt? There was none of that. They knew who this guy aye, was, aye. and what you were capable of doing. And you know, it's not as if you're get that guy, mate. Let's just see how. It, there wasn't any of that. You know, it was like I think everybody was probably confident in you delivering. I and then the fact that these are all fucking homeboys kind of hang you know, for the same area and. But I think I think it's like 
you know, it's like being an MC and working with a DJ, you don't know. There always is that kind of, how's this going to go? Is, mm-hmm. is he going to get me? Am I going to get him? And and it was no different to, 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 to the guys at PD. But, but, but for me, it was it was really evident really quickly before we even got on the plane. I, I'm, I'm feeling this, definitely. And it wasn't, if it had been, you know, Joe Bloxy's club in Ochtermurti it would have felt the same way mm-hmm. it wasn't the fact that we were going to Tokyo that was a kind of byproduct. it was just no that this does feel right and yeah. it, you know I think I'm I'm probably ready to get back involved with it and uh, I and it and it went from there Um and bizarrely you go there next week <laughs> I know how fucking nuts is <laughs> that aye? Aye? back to the same club aye no, Aye, so nearly well, it'll be nearly twenty years on, yeah. which is which is crazy. Hell, twenty years, man. I know. And where are we now? What's I mean, the you know still recording with Aye. James under the name Public Domain. Still doing that, yeah. And we're back cherry picking the gigs today. And how do you feel about the old school gigs now? Um. I think recording with James is still, I think there's, I almost, I always feel and always have felt musically there's just a lot of unfinished business and it's not because at one day it'll be finished, it's just there's more to do, I think there's more we could do, we could try this, we could try that and I think working with James and, and with Mark previously, th- that that whole mentality is kind of what pervades the whole thing, it's like ah, we'll give it a go. We'll find out soon if it works or not, you know. Um, and and I think that's great, and and I think that's what keeps me going, and it keeps me wanting to, to try and do something different. The the challenge comes now as time. It's just how do I do that and be a dad, or how do I do that and get up and go to my work and be a dad, and, mm-hmm. and it's so it's it's plate spinning at an Olympic level, and 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 it's you know. I'm not an Olympic level plate spinner. Okay. That, that's just it. So, you know, would I like and to you're be too spending... old to be an apprentice Olympic exactly. plate spinner? Would I like to spend more time in the studio? Aye. Would I like to spend more time with my kids? Aye. Uh-huh. Would I like to spend more time working? No. Um, so it's just how how does that work? And everybody's in the same boat. You know, we've all got kids. We've all got other you know other things to do. So um, it's just about trying to find time and and, and not just finding time, but making time to say that's what we're going to do and we'll see mm. what happens and you know hands down every time we've done it something's came out of it you know um, so I so that's that side of it. what do I think about the old school stuff <sighs> I love it I do love it because I think as I said from, from earlier there are very few things that would have touched hanger in its day it didn't matter. You know, I was spoiled rotten having that as the backing every for, for every week. You know, and 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 subsequent to that, there are very few things that can touch that level of atmosphere. There are a few, um, and and there are others that that, that, that that I've tried to do it and not not quite hit the mark with it. Um, and, and, and this isn't just a shameless plug because it's your podcast but <laughs> and but I've gave you money but I've been told to say it and I've got the script right in front of me I, 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 I haven't been told to say this but I think I said this in the last message after the last one it is hands down the closest thing to what I know 
hangar was back in uh-huh. the day and, and I know it was because I was involved in it and it is the closest thing that I've came to um, and that's why it, there isn't really a second thought it's just of course mm-hmm. why would I not want to do that yeah. would I want to do it every week no I wouldn't uh, you couldn't. And, and I couldn't and, and, and I think it would fast become boring mm-hmm. if it was done every week um, do I think that there are too many old school events aye I do um, but I think if you know I've I've done a few and I've been involved in a few, and if they can all emulate what people felt from back in the day, then great, they're doing their job. Um, but again, that whole fussy cherry picking thing still comes through for me. And, and you know I, I've done a few, and there, there there would be a few that I perhaps wouldn't be as keen to be involved in um, because it doesn't do what what I think it should do. Mm-hmm. Um, and again. I, I, you know, as much as it's all been a, a great giggle and all fun, I'm quite serious about that. You know, I think that if, if you're going to pen it as an old school night, then for me personally, it has to do what old school nights did when they weren't old school. Aye, you know? aye, aye. Um, so where the scene goes, I, I don't know. I, th- I think there's absolutely space for old school events. I don't think it should dominate a scene. Um, I, I, I would really like to see um, Scottish audiences get a wee bit more behind newer music um, but I, I completely understand the appeal of old school and, and I'm glad that there is still an appeal for it because I love I love doing them I think even on a you know on a second chance level it's fucking brilliant in so many ways even for punters yeah. Who would who who would maybe no minute in twenty years are back out <clears throat> forgetting about the shit week and for the exact same reasons enjoying themselves, having a blow and dancing. Yeah. You know, other than maybe the last time the dance was at a fucking wedding. Yeah. That you know, that kind of thing I, I, I sometimes think about things like that, you know, what impact it has on people getting that second chance again. And then that in turn, through speaking to people, they've maybe went to a festival. Yeah. Or a nightclub, just because they've been back out on that second burn again, and they can deal with it. And they've went. That's hey. This is they're maybe a wee bit older and wiser, and they're, they're, mm. they're no gone as mental, and they're seeing this is a fucking great night out, and how much fun it is yeah. on a social level with their partner or, or, or whatever. You know, so there's there's not just the music, but just on a social element. I think it's a really I think good it- thing goes back to the unity that we spoke aye, of aye. back in the day I think I think there is that now and, and it, you know I'm not saying nothing's happened in between it but but I do I genuinely think that um, you know it is really matey and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and you know it's it, is the shit. it is and, and it's quite selective in that way and, and it's kind of found its own way through mm-hmm. that but the other thing that, that's that's been really cool is seeing the generational change as well you know you see younger people coming along to, to old school nights yeah. and, and vibing off it you know and it's partly because they, <laughs> they've had it rammed in their throats for their moms and dads that Aye. you don't know what it was like and, and also growing up with the mixtapes in the background Aye, and stuff like absolutely. that and, and that again when we when we when we think back to when some of these tracks were written there was no nod to in 20 years time these people's kids will be singing the same words I thought no and, and there wasn't and it's really cool to see that um, you know and I'm glad that that's there and I'm, gl- and I'm glad that people that weren't involved first time round can see what it's like 
but but I think we you know you need to be selective about about getting involved in it. You know, um, here's a mad thing. You know, you're listening to when you were younger, listening to your dad's country and western collection, your mm-hmm. mom's Motown thing. That's the mixtapes you were brought up on. Now imagine if you had a chance to go to a fucking Motown night or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's, it's maybe on that kind of level. Or, well, m- maybe I'm talking pish now, but I was just kind of hinking in the music that you were listening to when you were younger to enjoy it again because you were listening to it through... Nah, strike that. Strike. That. I was trying. I had a dot there, and I, I tried to connect it in my head, but it never worked when I vocalised it. <laughs> <laughs> it was working until uh, I started speaking. Uh, I've got the fear. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, it's just fucking jet lag. I, th- I think I know what you mean. You know, a chance to fucking experience for the younger generation. You were seeing the younger generation getting a chance to experience rave. It, it maybe be the equivalent of you experiencing a fucking. Fucking Motown night, or Northern Soul night, Northern or, Soul, or something like that. Yeah, which is many ways Northern Soul's kind of the start of the rave scene sort of thing. You know, aye, aye. There is, there is that thinking. Um, I'm just going to say aye to that. I just, I just fucking easily bit. cut this bit right. Out. <laughs> um, aye, no, but I, I mean, let's strike that just to be able to cherry pick and cut out. Even for me, try to put the night so on. It's all about folk that I, I want to be about. As well, you know, I, I, I kind of deal with gigs that are full of folk that I don't feel comfortable with, and a backstage area that I, mm-hmm. I don't like being in. You know, I want everybody to be there for the night and no for the money. That yeah. kind of vibe, yeah. Because I think when that, when you've got the backstage in a good mood, that you know transmits to the front of the house as well, because they can see everybody enjoying themselves. If you know what I mean. That kind yeah. of family thing. It's cutting out all the bitching and all the shit that you hated back back in the day. Yeah, I would agree with that. And and I think that I don't know, for for me being a bit older, you kinda of filter a lot of that now. Ah uh, well definitely. You know, just, it just just doesn't even time for that I, bullshit. I, I just I, nah I'm not gonna be involved in this conversation or not that there is that much of it now, because I think everybody's moved on, uh-huh. you know. Um but for me it's it's still about the same thing that it was then it's about seeing how they respond to this and and just not knowing like work, working with Trevor just not knowing what he's going to do but every time he does it you're like ah, fucking hell man aye fair play to you how, how do you how do you interact with that now you know and there are there are some times where he'll start off on a, on a heavy acid tip and I've got no business being MCing over that I don't need to the music does that mm-hmm. you know and, and, and again going back to what we said earlier it, it's my job to fit round that mm-hmm. rather than to be out the front of the stage going so I and, but the, the, the the basic thing is still we feed off them they feed off us mm-hmm. and it's just that symbiotic and it works and it just it just you know for me I can't think of a, a bad gig. I, I genuinely can't think of a bad gig. You know, um, if you if, if you could, you wouldn't still be doing it. You're, you wouldn't want to be fucking keeping doing it, innit? Aye, if aye, no enjoying much. it. You're not getting anything out of it. Yeah, because you need. It's not just money, innit? You need to get more 
Mere it's not the money. But it was it was never about uh-huh. money. And and that's the thing and and that that's the the kind of starkest message for me is that when it became about money is when I stopped enjoying it. That and and it's that's nailed down for me. There's mm-hmm. no there's no middle ground on that, you know. Um so I you know, I, I, I'm in the fortunate position where I can, and as I said, I, you know, people do still want to book us, and um, and we can cherry pick them to a certain extent, and 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 you're kind of you're choosing the ones that you know are going to be good before you've even walked through the door. Mm-hmm. That, that's it, you know, and and lo and behold, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that it kind of it's a self-fulfilling thing you know this is going to be a belter of a night oh, guess what that was a belter of a night you know aye. Um, so I it's 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 in a good place it is in a good place so to wrap things up if you're to pick two tracks of what we've just kind of talked about what would they be I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about. Um, well, you could. I don't know. So we put, we played a couple of the earlier Die Witness ones earlier. That was the last bit, wasn't it? So you'd maybe be in public domain, domain, the public domain, domain. Um, you'd even play a track for that what you've worked on with James and maybe somewhere like the drum and bass stuff that you've been talking about some of the stuff that you're listening to right now just as a suggestion I I mean I think there's a I will pick a drum and bass track because it's it's still kind of on a permanent rotation it's a track called uh, Western by PFM we never put that siren in just <laughs> that was one of the ones <laughs> <laughs> come on the road boy I'm going to play some drum and bass so I if, if we're if we're thinking about pivotal tracks and drum and bass it's the western PFM is, is, is an old one and maybe 92, 93 maybe a wee bit later but um, that was one of the tracks that, that, that sent me off down down that rabbit hole hunters are rabbit holes it's a warren almost um, and I think if, if there's a PD track that, that, that I've worked on um, that, that I'm particularly proud of it's Amsterdam I, I just think that's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal production I think the vocal's pretty good I think the 303 even now it just no I'm not but it, for me it's not about the vocal the vocal's a part of it but it's about that 303 riff and I'm, uh, I'm I'm itching to play that and we'll be playing that in I don't know 10 hours time something like that so I'm looking forward to that fuck aye there's a gig in it I just remembered that I know well, so Neil, aye that's where I'd leave it good well we'll play them and it's been a pleasure talking to you young man thank you very much mate it's good to good to be sitting good way to call you nonsense. Like. it is I don't think I've killed anything like <laughs> <laughs> just paused it <laughs> exactly uh, aye cheers website Seren Lat where people can find you you get a Facebook page now you aye I'm sure there's a Facebook page out there just Google's your friend guys just Google but what, what is, is it MC Cycle or no? Um, I know you get t- two because a tagging hangs and I, I know, know sure I, I never know what one I'm in either. Uh-huh. So, this, so there is there's an MC Cycle. What kind of work one? No, the, there is the MC Cycling one, but the thing is, and I'd sound really ageist, but I, the social media thing, I forget to do it a lot mm-hmm. of the time. I actually forget to interact, and it's no because I'm aloof. It's just because I just can't be bothered. Right. I think I'm, that's a good thing, but as well, I, I'm not plugged into it in the same way that a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
maybe I should do more. I'll try and do more. Um, so, so I, was it Facebook slash MC Cycle? I, I think the Facebook got all arsey about calling yourself. So I think it's Neil Cyclone Skinner. I think that's right. where. So I you don't have like up. a fan page set up, kind of hang up. No, no, right. I don't think I've gone down that road. Um, so I Neil Neil Cyclone St- uh, Skinner and Public Domain Sound System. I think is the, is the other one. The website, or is that the Facebook? That's the Facebook. Aye. So again, we're we're too old school to be involved in the socials. Um, aye. I, I think that's it. I can't think anything else. I've not got a Twitter page. What would I tweet about? Just, I just, just did some nice lunch. Aye, aye, some <laughs> nice lunch. lunch aye. Aye. Great wee um, coffee earlier. So aye, I think I think that kind of the social things pass me by a wee bit. Facebook's as far as I get. That's my news source. So I uh, check it check it out on that for irregular updates. Excellent. End of transmission. Boom. Good night, Vienna. <laughs>
1994 old school show.